When it's 3 p.m., Jess and Renee both want an afternoon treat. So they go to McDonald's for icy cool frozen drinks and Minute Maid slushies. Only Jess's favorite is frozen Coke, while Renee's is pink lemonade slushie. But it's cool. They respect each other's choice. It's not just a drink. It's a McDonald's drink. Make your summer pop with a Minute Maid slushie, frozen Coke, or frozen Fanta, like wild cherry and blue raspberry, starting at $1.59. Prices and participation may vary. Limited time only. Dave Sterling, David Sterling. I'm Tony Pervenanzi. We are brought to you by Roughneck Scars and Golden Gold Press. Uh, today we're here at Fair State Brewing Cooperative. We have a special guest. You guys might know him as MN UFC commentator. It is Griffin. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, he's yeah. not. Uh, he's already told us he's cool with his name being out there. So <laughs> he's not trying to hide behind the Twitter you know, thing. Well, so. he does have his personal Twitter feed attached. Yeah. Full transparency. Yeah. To yeah. His, yeah. yeah. We also have some uh, peeps from uh, True North Elite here. We got Jen over here. She's going to do a little thing later on about who smells good in MLS. <laughs> uh, this, I, sorry, I had to say it. So uh, thanks for coming out, guys. I know you guys just were at the uh, brew hall at the stadium to watch the Women's World Cup. And... Uh, Ended up winning uh, 2-0. Yeah. So uh, congratulations to the Women's World Cup team for another victory. That's what, two in a row now? Back-to-back. Back-to-back. Back-to-back, first time. The, so. the only team other than now Germany to have done that. Oh, Germany. Yes. Well, let's not. I think let's, it was 2003 and 2007. Yep. Yeah. Brady and John are ecstatic because we mentioned Germany. Oh, we mentioned Germany, yeah. yeah. We always I mention Johnny in the show. So, I get a plug yeah. in yeah. when I can. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we're at Fair State. We are drinking their beers. Uh Sterling, what do you have going on? I have the uh, the Zoot. Zoot. Um, and uh, it's it's really, really good. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a it's a Vit beer, and it's nice and smooth. It's tart. It's a summery beer that uh, I could drink a lot of. Oh. Yeah. Dangerous, then. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Stevens, what you got? I am having the pills. I actually just took my first sip, so I won't be able to go into too, into too much depth about talking about it. But I will, I will just point out it is a uh, it is a German style pilsner. So there you go, another okay. German plug. But yeah, it's hoppy. I can smell it. Uh, I, first sip was good, smooth. Yeah, I went with the Bosa, which is a I don't even know how to say it. Cavass style ale collab collaboration with Fanta Flora Brewery using. Pretzels and bread from the uh, bread house. Is it Aki's or Aki's bread house right next door here? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it's Pilsner and Beechwood smoked barley malts. So it's kind of got everything in there. Nice. But it's only like uh, 3.5%, so it's not too bad. So, Griffin, what do you got? Did the Mirror Universe Hazy IPA? I think it's one of their more popular ones, but I'm all about IPAs, Hazy IPAs. They have those in cans out in stores. Okay. I've had those. Before. Yeah, and yeah. I, actually, speaking of that, uh, this is all. This is at least 
I think it's all four of ours first time here at Ferris State. Yeah, yes, it is. Yes, yes. And, uh, but uh, Zoot is what you're having, Dave. Yes. That's one of the beers that I have tried okay. you know, buying at the liquor store before. So. Yeah, so we're all drinking their beers. Uh, Fair State's a little different because they're cooperatives, so kind of like a more like a grocery store cooperatives are kind of like right, yeah. So they don't really have owners; they've got more of members, right? And they put money into it, and they get, of course, money back if they make money. So, and behind you, yes, all the is the, uh, the pictures, yes, of uh, people, all the members. Yes, and the co-op member of the month is uh, right behind Dave. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a cool it's a cool concept. Yeah, yeah. very cool concept. Like so you can just go online and yeah. go and you pay like twenty five bucks and then mm-hmm. you can be a member and yeah, you know, yeah. kind of they have meetings and stuff. And they have can, board members. Yeah. They have all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of a cool. Uh, it's not like your typical microbrewery where somebody has you know, two or three guys have gotten together and right. you know done something. This is more of a uh, community effort, is what I'd like right. to call it. So, which is awesome. Um, so, let's get into it, boys, because we had, of course, we had a podcast last Sunday, and we've had two games this week. Yeah, you know, it, I was a little, I'm kind of the stats guy in terms of our our success of the podcast stats, not yeah. game stats. Yeah. And uh, I, I was interested to see how the podcast was going to go, because usually we don't do back-to-back. No. And I think we, we may have surprised a few people, but we're actually doing really well. So yeah. I, I just thought I'd throw that out about the fact that we haven't done back-to-back for... Long I mean, Consecutive yeah, it's weeks. probably been yeah. this time last year, maybe even. Yeah. So, so you got less of a time to go back and listen to those yeah. older episodes before new So there's some out, people who might be now going to be a couple episodes beyond. My father-in-law beyond. included, because you know, yeah. he likes that two weeks... Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. he doesn't have to worry about it. He can kind of listen and ride a scooter around and whatever. Now it's like back to back. He doesn't know what he's going to do now. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, we could go back and talk about FC Cincinnati again. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we want to talk about that. Again? It was a fun game to talk about. Of course about. it was. Yeah. <laughs> Scoring a touchdown in the extra point, but <laughs> <laughs> was that American football day? Right, right. Going to keep that out of it. No, no. Uh, so we did have a game uh, Wednesday against San Jose. We were. Uh, Myself and Dave were there. We were up uh, in the brew pub above there in the rooftop. little rooftop deck. Sterling, you were in the uh, Wonderwall. I was. So It felt good to get back. I hadn't been in there for quite I, I a while. I bet it did. I'm assuming you were taking notes while you were in there, the Wonderwall? Yeah. Um, you know, every single time I saw something happen, I was like, I want to type this on my phone, but somebody's going <laughs> to inevitably get a picture of me on my phone. <laughs> so it's I, frowned I, upon I, when you're watching the game. Yeah, I... Uh, <laughs> There were a few times that I snuck texts into you guys. Yes, uh, you did. I, I avoided, I avoided being uh, useful for this conversation. But I, again, we were all there. Uh, it was it was a great night. It wasn't too yeah. hot. It was uh, really nice weather, and yep. uh, we picked up the victory. Yeah, you know, and you know, we've now maybe exercised a demon mm-hmm. with San Jose. I mean, we. It's weird because they, they've kind of had our number up until this season. I mean, we blanked them early this season. Yeah, it was three. Yeah, I was three not now. expecting us to put three past them again. That was one of those games we had kind of circled maybe even before the season started just because of what you just mentioned. They, they had the, the balloons number, basically. Yeah, and I think uh, what made it so much worse was that the first two years we were in the league, San Jose was not good. No, yes. they were horrible. Yes, we had more wins than than them 
both seasons. I think they had, what, four or five last mm-hmm. year? That's right, that's right. But, but we could not do anything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and, it, you know, that's, in, that's the way we've played. You know, we've always played down to our competition. That's no. just the motto for Minnesota sports. Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> oh. That's true. Oh, I don't. Let's not get into that. No, we, all no, Minnesota no, sports. Come on. Not the Twins this year. True. No. That's right. Uh, but we came out guns a blazing. I mean, within the first, what, I think it was fifth, five, fifth, fifth minute, minute. Darwin Darwin Quintero. had it. Yeah. He's back. Yeah. We'll He's talk back. Talk about a quick goal scored in a game. Wow. That was, that was amazing. And I want to get. Griffin, I want to get your um, opinion on all this. We, on this podcast, if you've been listening to it, have talked about Darwin kind of going into a slump. And then I think a couple games ago he started to kind of come out. Well, the Open Cup, he started to come out of it. And now I think he's back to what he was last year. So do you think that's that he's back, or do you think this is just kind of a flash-in-the-pan type of deal? I don't think it's a flash in a pan. I'm kind of conflicted because when he came here, I was super excited. Mm-hmm. I bought his jersey. I was sure. like, this is the man. And he was. I mean, he did everything and then more what was could ever be expected of him. This year, I think he hasn't realized the help he has now. Yeah, exactly. I, we talked about that. Yeah. It's, I mean, he did the same things the first couple of years, trying to take it one-on-one and mm-hmm. get the ball taken away. But he maybe didn't have an option. Yeah. But... Now, when you have Angelo, you have Ibarra, who now has established himself as a quality MLS player, mm-hmm. Finley, who's fast. And to see him do those things, it kind of now is frustrating because it's like, you're not the whole team anymore. Exactly. But I think the brilliance and the skill has always been there. I think he now is just hopefully learning that he can now rely on his teammates yeah, to right. do more. Yeah. So hopefully that this this form just continues because he's also had a couple of really good assists. He has, and that's yep. another thing that we talked about is um, last year he had to score those goals. There was nobody else he could pass it to to get a goal, or at least right. that, that he wanted to. I don't think he trusted the guys he was playing with last year. Right. This year I think he started off with not trusting the guys again, and I think somehow he's come to realize I can trust guys like Abar, I can trust Angelo, I can trust Finley, you know. Even though Sterling doesn't want to say Finley's good, I, but you know, I, you know, being a Wisconsin, he's a Wisconsinite. I know he's born in Duluth. He's from he's Duluth. A Wisconsinite. He he grew up in Marshfield. He's no. a Wisconsinite. <laughs> yeah, being I, a fellow Wisconsinite, I want to like Finley, but I just don't think there's any complexity to his game. It's just he just runs fast down the wing and might. You know, get in a position to score a role. We need those guys, though. He's a burner. Yeah, I mean, there's there's usefulness. I I don't disagree with that at all. I uh, I just don't. I'm not. I, don't know. I think it's a waste of his salary. I think we could find somebody yeah. that's more complex, more uh, skill oriented, technical oriented. I should say. And he's kind of occupying Miguel Ibarra's preferred position. Yeah, well, I agree, and that might be some bias on my part. I think, you know, I would prefer seeing Miguel out there. I think the best front line would be something, somehow, that we can have Miggy, Kevin, Darwin, and Angelo. Now, of course, all of them are right wings, so that doesn't help much. But, you know, it's... If we can find a way to get all four of those guys on the pitch at the same time, um, or Mason Toy, who's probably going to come up quite a bit, um, that's the type of 
front four I want to see. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I get there is definitely a, a usefulness to Finley's play. I just don't like it. And we're going to talk about lineups later on in this podcast because we had next game that we had, we had a lineup change. But we went into this game thinking, you know, bad thoughts, I think. I don't think we were kind of really – but getting that goal in the first five minutes was like – and then now we're we're good to go. I mean, I think right. we were on that path. And right. I, yeah, getting back to Darwin real quick, I think I think it'll be really interesting to see how how the rest of the season finishes and how it goes down the stretch for Darwin because he's always been even last year he was a bit of a streaky player. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did he have ten or eleven goals last year in that ballpark? Yeah, remember three of those came in one game against right. uh, yeah. Toronto, I believe. When he right, and it, it took him about ten games to actually even get moving. Yeah. I mean, people don't realize that he had, I think, a goal in his first game, an assist in his second game, mm-hmm. and then he went silent for... I mean, he had his skill, right. his kind of orchestration stuff, but overall his scoring, his assists went silent for, I think yeah. it was like seven or eight games. Yeah. Well, I think that's been something that's been known throughout his career yes. in Mexico, yeah. that he's always been capable of so many things, but it's not going to happen day in and day out. Right. <laughs> yeah, his skill is undeniable. You, I mean, whether he's scoring goals or not, you, you see it. It gets a little frustrating, especially earlier this year when you could tell he would, he was missing open players when, you know, instead of dancing around and taking an extra touch, he should have laid it in. But, right, uh, yeah. No, it's, it's so far so good. But so, uh, I, I want to also mention that was actually his first goal in MLS play at Allianz Field. Really? Yeah. I, I had to look at that twice when I heard that. But that's obviously crazy. Obviously he scored in the Open Cup. I, if I'm wrong, correct me. I don't oh, know. I mean, no, you, I you think that's right. I heard it on the broadcast last night, or on during the uh, Quakes game, or when I was going back over the stats, and I, I had to do a double take because I was like, what? And I think that's only his second non-penalty goal. Mm-hmm. His, his first uh, like open play goal was Toronto yeah, when yeah. he had that sweet little deke around mm-hmm. the defender. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think he has, what, four penalty goals? I, mean, I think he did. Four, yeah, four, yeah, four, yeah. Four. But, yeah. And none of those were at all, Ian. No, no. So, yeah, I just that's what it made me think twice. But uh, huh. yeah, so we we're up one nil. We come back and it's kind of a when I was watch, when we were watching the game from the rooftop there. You know, San Jose had a lot of possession going on. They were we didn't have possession. A well, lot. We, I mean, I can tell you for the game. I mean, obviously, I wasn't keeping complete track, but the feeling mm-hmm. was there. The possession numbers, getting maybe back to the games where we've had success without having possession. Yeah. Minnesota had 36%. Yeah. Which heard, okay, the flip yeah. side of that would be 64 So it was dominated by San Jose. Which always scares me because even though we're up 1-0, they're dominating possession. You know at some point they're going to break it down and they're going to score some. And they did extra time at the end of the first half. Yeah, at a time. Yeah, at you know, time. and I'm still not convinced that uh, Boxel and Vito have their heads on straight about that goal. I know they are 100% convinced that that was a handball. From our seats. And And I've seen, I've replayed it a few times, and I cannot, for the life of me, see the handball. I watched it, I watched it several times yesterday, actually leading into our podcast today, and yeah, I agree with you, David. You just, it's not obvious. Yeah, I think they should. I watched it on TV, and they replayed it a lot, and I think there was an angle from behind the net, or like right behind Vito, where mm-hmm. his okay. arms are completely tucked into his side. So even if it hit his arm, it wasn't an attempt to make his body bigger. I don't know if there are different rules for if it's a scoring opportunity versus a defender, but it looked like it hit his chest or his, like the side of his yeah. ribcage. Sure, sure. and. 
I, I mean, from what I know, the the rule is you just can't make yourself bigger. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I agree with all that. I mean, it was just a bang bang play. I mean, you yeah. could call it, you know, it was like a pinball. It just mm-hmm. went bang bang. And I don't even think he knew it was happening when no. it was like, Tommy Thompson scored by. Yeah, yeah, Tommy Thompson. Yeah, that went in, and he was his face was like, "What just happened?" <laughs> yeah, former and former you, governor of uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, right? Tommy yeah. Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> and a former attempted presidential run. Exactly. He Cups looks a lot younger than he used to look. He was kind of old when he was governor, but now he's looking great. He's looking spry. Oh, I haven't seen him in a long yeah, time. Looking either. spry. Yeah. <laughs> so we get that goal at the end of the half, and so we're tied up one-to-one. It was, a, it was a bit of a letdown. It was I mean, a letdown, Even though, yeah. like, you mentioned the possession, but I still it still felt like a good half from, from the Loons. Yeah. But, uh, it was a bit of a letdown, but there, there you are at halftime. Mm-hmm. Anybody's game still. We come out of the half, and uh, Boxel gets a goal early yeah early which watching the replays he was way far up i mean he was i don't know why so he that's was that one, far that's up one, that's one thing i actually did want to bring up tony yeah. thanks um and then maybe david or griffin can can get into it but yeah he did have loads of space mm-hmm. and so he took the ball all the way up the field and and that's something that's going to happen with san jose i know we talked about it earlier in the season yep. with their kind yep. of man on man or man marking defense, man marking, however yep, you want to yep. call it there's always um, one man who's open. Well, yeah. that, yeah. and I think you add to that the fact that they were San Jose were, all, were also playing a 4-2-3-1 yep. formation, which kind of mirrored ours. So yep. that, that means, you know, you got Wando up top, but he's going to have to contend with, you know, the, the, the two center, center backs. Yeah. And then uh, he can only pick one, and if you bring another guy back, you, you can create the open man and the space. And so they really took advantage of it, I thought, yesterday, or I should say on Wednesday. In San Jose, so. yeah, you know, in it, I saw a lot of a lot of Twitter comments about how we got lucky, but Adrian Heath said that he drilled this concept into them during training. This is how San Jose plays. Mm-hmm. This is what we need to do to fight it. And the the center backs were, I mean, even from my view, the center backs were pushed. Super forward. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean our line was both crazy Opara high. And, yeah, yeah. Box all were past midfield. Yeah. yeah, and it and it it totally shows. And I've seen this a couple times uh, that people have suggested that Adrian Heath might have just shown everyone in the league how to beat San Jose mm-hmm. because it's exactly what you have to do. You have that one guy who's always going to be open. It's, it's going to be a center back. So if you have an athletic center back. That can push forward. Now, I think Boxer got a little lucky with the fact that he basically assisted himself. I was yeah, yeah, right. yeah we but, talk about the goal. The play yeah. was there. He wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't shooting. He was looking to pass it, lay it off. Exactly. It actually mm-hmm. took a deflection off a defender right back to himself. Yeah. And then yeah. he finished it nicely. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a one two and credit. You know, credit I mean, cre- credit Boxel. He. I don't think he was thinking about scoring initially. Obviously, he wasn't. But uh, credit Boxel for being in the right place, getting getting that rebound because right. he mm-hmm. continued his run. And was just right there for yeah. it. So just like the natural ten he is in that. <laughs> and I think that I, mean, I know Taylor Twelman and I think some other commentators had talked about Matias Almeida, the new San Jose coach, had yeah. that man marking system. And some yeah. have even called it a little of an outdated system. Yeah, I with would. the new game and how mm-hmm. people are just all your center backs can have pace, and exactly. Fast. Yeah, and so I, I would totally believe Adrian Heath kind of hitting that point home and. 
making that uh, goal to attack that right. formation yep. and that tactic. And you know, I think that's something that we have um, the benefit of this year is our center backs are actually pretty uh, mobile. Yeah. I mean, Boxel's probably the slowest. Yeah. So it was interesting that he was the one that ended right. up doing it. But, I mean, in terms of Kalman, in terms of Opara, I mean, I've even seen Wyatt do it a little bit. They're, they're pretty mobile. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them as a striker, right? But they're, they're still – they've got some speed. They've got some ability to at least uh, fight off a defender as they're moving forward. I, I think we're a really good example of how the, the defensive lines are changing right. with the new – just new game mm-hmm. it is yeah and we have i mean like you said griffin i mean it's the, the the game has changed you know back a while ago those those defenders were just guys that sat back there and they were just there to defend they were not right. there to do anything else they might go up a little bit but not as far as defenders now are going up and the the man marking system was you know even in international play that was something that te- a lot of teams did I think maybe the coach at San Jose is trying to overthink things a little bit. He's going, well, this hasn't been around for a while, so I'm going to do this and try to get, you know, fool everybody. And, no, it just hasn't worked. And I think they're going to go back to another system next year because this just hasn't worked for them that well. Right. So um, so we're up 2-1, to one, and I think we're all feeling pretty good at this point. And there's yeah. some time left. but uh, This was around the time that I uh, – Pulled something in my back. Oh, I think it was that goal. Actually, so you weren't yeah. cheering anymore. I mean, I know I was still cheering. And let's. Uh, However, <laughs> it was it was uh, it was painful, and it was, it was even it was more like painful more. the next day. Yeah, yeah that it was. But you're, you're as a fan yeah. of balloons. You're, it's kind of natural, maybe, to feel comfortable with a lead at Allianz. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a it's a they've had success there. There's no doubt. Although I think we have to give some credit down the stretch as we talk about the rest of the second half to who we credited, and not just we, uh, I think everybody credited Manone mm-hmm. as being the man of the match. He yeah. made some brilliant saves. He did, and he just, was under pressure all game. I mean, we had I, I'd like to point eight out shots of target. I'd like to point out that only you two oh. credited Manone as man of the match. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, was yours? Mine was Dotson. Okay. Yeah. I almost, and the whole reason I picked Dotson yeah. was because being in the wall mm-hmm. and they were attacking your guys' goal, yeah. I got to see a lot of Dotson. Oh. And I just thought he was he was really good. And I even thought about Gasper because those two guys were just killing it on mm-hmm. defense. Yeah. And actually I think you now that I think about it, you kinda I think you misinterpreted my text. I think I meant to say something like, Yeah, credit to Minone, but I'm gonna give it to Ike Opara just to be different. <laughs> oh, because he really? did have a good yeah. game. I completely <laughs> as well. He, he, he was one of the you know if I'm looking at stats, but yeah, it just he Vito had what seven saves? Something yeah. he had yeah. more was that? No. I mean, I'm looking at the stat now. San Jose yeah. had 27 shots, yeah. only eight yeah. on target, eight which on is target, still respectable, yeah. but 27 yeah. total. I mean, yeah, I, I guess that's... well, with 65 percent possession, you would expect exactly. similar numbers, but yeah. but he was, I mean, he was getting bombed yeah. all game, and he really showed why we need a competent competent people. goalie, other than what who. Is, he, is what's his name still on the team? Shuttleworth. Shuttleworth he is, is still on the team. Apparently, I think he still has a quote-unquote knee injury. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think Dane St. Clair has always been suiting up as yeah, the backup. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I haven't even seen uh, Shuttleworth. It's like Shuttleworth. Months. Like all of a sudden, we get Vito. 
we uh, draft St. Clair, and then Shuttleworth is like the forgotten man that's kind of on the roster, but he's kind of like right. the and, ghost. And we talked, or at least I think one of us brought it up. We did. about uh, Before the season started. We're yeah. like, well, we just drafted a guy that everyone wanted. Yeah. No. From and, Maryland, where the yeah. uh, same coach is Zach Stefan. Yeah. Exactly. The, the Canadian version. He's not American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, right. I mean, I, I think... It'll be interesting. You need three. You need three keepers. So I would assume that Bobby will with, be with us the rest of the season. But right, it'd be interesting to see if something happened, something odd happened in midseason yeah. at the window. But but having Vito, I mean, it's been a total. Yeah. like he's been great this year. And uh, and it, you know, it'll be obviously he's a one year loan. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what they decide in the off season. I I really hope. They just give it to St. Clair. That's what I hope to. Yeah. But um, I mean, Vito's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. So even on his worst days, he's been pretty good. Vito's getting bombed like all game, and even at two to one, like you're saying, Allianz Field, you're up two two one. I think that we're feeling pretty good about mm-hmm. ourselves. Uh, but they did put the icing on the cake at the end of the game with Molino in extra time. Yep, and that was that was. Uh, Opara, Opara mm-hmm. and Toy. Actually, Toy mm-hmm. had a nice. They both were credited with an assist mm-hmm. on that, but yeah. it was, I think it was Opara, or actually, it was Toy's had a nice yeah. hard tackle, tackle, got it to Opara, and, and then, then outside the foot yeah. pass to yeah. Molino. Yeah, and, and, and Toy, you know, he's just another. He, you know, we're talking about him in this game and previous games as super. You know, a super sub. He's super done sub. a yep. tremendous job. And, yeah, uh, and they, you know, that pass by Opara. He is a center back. Mm-hmm. I, I've watched that probably a dozen times oh, because yeah. it's just incredible how he had the insight to to get himself turned around and flick it with some pretty significant strength outside of his foot, mm-hmm. right on the money. I mean, I think yeah. Mike Opara is hands down one of the most just generally athletic players in the league yeah my brother lives in kansas city so we used to go to a lot of sporting kc games and i think we went to the first uh mls competitive play sporting kc minnesota game in kansas city and it was when ike opara scored uh like a 20 yard kick from outside the box past shuttleworth and this was the center back coming forward with some space and he's fast he's what six one six two Um, he has a little bit of U.S. national team experience mm-hmm. now. I mean, he's he can play very well. He's yeah. fast. He's strong. He's great on uh, free kicks, on corner kicks. He can get oh, in there yeah. and kind of mix it up and do some headers and stuff. I mean, I think they said that was his first brace back against yeah. in his entire career, yeah. just getting up, and I love yeah. it. Yeah. I think it was one of the greatest moves they've made. Yeah. And, it, you know, you look at sporting and what's happened to them this season. And you know, obviously, Toronto had one of those seasons where they won the won the MLS Cup, and then completely—I don't know what they did the next season, where they ended up finishing. Did they finish last, or was it close? I think they were very close, and yeah. I think that is a symptom of the Concacaf Champions League. As sure, well. yeah, but yeah, I think they and, got rid of a few key pieces. And, yeah, and so now here you have Sporting, who decided, well, Ike was too expensive, which, I mean, I don't know if we paid him what he wanted to be paid from sporting or not, but they let him go. Mm-hmm. 
and look at how they've been. I mean, they've. I mean, they're slowly starting to climb up the table a little bit, but. And I think I saw a statistic. Yeah. They've already let in more goals at home than they ever have in a season, wow. ever. And it's all re- and it's only what a little over halfway yeah. through. You lose that leader on your defense, and yeah. I think Ike is a leader of a defense. You lose that leader, and bad things are going to happen to you. Right. Yeah, I think they made the wrong decision in Minnesota, and I will even admit I was questioning that signing. Oh, I did too. Because just how we're so old mm-hmm. as, a, as a squad. But, yeah, they made a bad decision. We made a good decision. Yeah. That's the way it works. We are kind of uh, – the Molino goal, though, I, we have to talk about what happened after the goal. Right. Because the shirt came off. Got and a yellow card. Got a yellow card. Montreal was, or not Montreal, San, San Jose. Jose was pissed. Yep. They weren't very happy at all with his little celebration at the end of the game. My thought is he iced the game for him. He was excited. I don't know. It's a yeah, celebration. Yeah, you know, there were a man. lot of people that were, there were Minnesota fans yeah. that were upset with that celebration because they felt it was too me, me, me. Well, my God. He scored he's, a goal. He's coming back from ACL, you know, what, his second or third? I think second on the same knee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, second on the same knee, third overall. Yeah. And it, he's basically missed, you know, 14 months. All of a sudden, he's coming in. He's finally getting going. Yeah, for club and country, I think, over the last month in the yeah. Gold Cup. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's been working he's, his ass he's off. He's looking very strong. And right. he did a one-timer. It wasn't like he brought it down and dribbled a little bit. He did a one-timer on a, a crazy pass that I, give again, give credit to a par for. He iced the game. Get, let him You know what? And I mean, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you guys, but I will say, I mean, maybe part of the frustration was, of course, that drew a, a yellow card. Yeah. I believe for that, you know, removing your shirt. That yeah. kind of well, luckily, accumulation, he doesn't have to worry about Yeah, this. I guess no. at that point. But that was the fifth yellow card for Minnesota at that point because – Late in the second half, Finley, or first half, I should say, Finley got one, and that was followed by Gregus, Quintero, and Ozzy, and then finally Molino for the fifth yellow yeah. card in the game. Those are going to add up eventually. Yeah, I'd like to know how many yellow cards we have. Total, yeah. Because I bet we've got quite a few. Wait, what, is, there. what is the accumulation rule for yellow cards? It's five, right? And then you get suspended. I think it has to be within a certain amount of games. Because uh, yeah. you'll have some so, get knocked off your record. Right, because I feel like they sat Darwin this game because if he were to get a yellow card against Montreal, he would be suspended. Okay, but okay. I feel like now if he were to get a yellow card, say, three, four weeks from now, yeah. I don't think he would and tack on a suspension. They drop off. Yeah, I think it's, it okay. has to be within a window. But sure, I'm sure. not 100% sure. sure. Yeah, I, no I think that'd just be kind of lame to have accumulation hanging over your head if you've had two months of clean play. <laughs> yeah, exactly but. right. Unlike parking tickets, right, Dave? They yes. don't ever fall off, no, right? No, they right, don't. Dave? No, they right. don't. Clean, clean driving record. Yeah, yeah. Won't you have one in North Dakota still? I'm sure I do. Probably, <laughs> I probably have them all over the country. Actually, <laughs> From like 20 years ago. Better <laughs> <laughs> memory than I do. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, yeah, so I guess my deal is I have no problem with it. I saw some people on Twitter saying, well, he should have included the guys that helped him get the goal, and I'm going... It's a spur-of-the-moment thing. You're not just going to like, hey, guys, come right. over here and hug me while we all celebrate. Yeah. Not every celebration is well orchestrated. Exactly but right. I 100% loved it. Yeah. I think it shows how much it meant to him as a player mm-hmm. because he's played – he's been on the 
the loons for his in, like the entire existence for them. Yeah. yeah. But he hasn't played a ton. No, he hasn't. His first year was great yep. for the team we put on the field. Yeah. I think he arguably was the MVP of our first season. I know mm-hmm. uh, Chris Ramirez, I think, had, what, 13, 14 goals yeah, the yeah, first yeah, year? Yeah, but yeah. I think I think Molina was like seven or eight goals with seven yeah. or eight assists. Yeah. I think he was just overall the more consistent player. Mm-hmm. And he kind of had to play a role as a 10 where he was more comfortable on a wing. And then the second year, everyone was excited. I think the first game, San Jose, of course, he put yeah. two goals, almost yep. got us a point, and then we saw nothing because he yep. got injured. Injured, yeah. And so for him to come back now and have just an instant impact when he comes off the bench, mm-hmm. two games in a row, yep. and for Trinidad scoring, but I think it was just more of a, I'm back, I want to start for this club. Yes. And here I am, and he has to he has to fight for minutes now because we brought in so much talent in the off season. He's got to now. He's not, you know, in the beginning he was one of their top guys, but now you have so much talent on this team. A guy like him has to fight, and I think that kind of fed into that celebration. He's like, right, I'm here. You know, I can do this. Give me more minutes. You know, right. I agree. Uh, but it put the icing on the cake of that victory, yeah. and we were all excited because, uh, of course, it was the night before Fourth of July, so we're all. Giddy, you know, America, and then, you know, all that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So. And then you talk about, you look at the standings. I mean, I know Heath was tremendously excited after that game. You can mm-hmm. see him, just his reaction. I know they stayed on the pitch a little bit longer than maybe they normally do, but for good reason. It was such a, if you're talking about MLS Western Conference play, yep. that was yep. a huge match because as before the match started, uh, San Jose was actually above Minnesota in the standings. Yes. And I think they were, what, undefeated in 10 or 11 games, whether win or draw, but yeah, it and was they, close. Yeah. It was, but it was they kind of flew under the radar because of their first month being yeah, very yeah, poor. Terrible. It was yeah. A, yeah. They were definitely coming off, it was a six-game unbeaten streak for San okay. Jose. But yeah, they were they were on the rise. There's no doubt yeah. about it. And it, you know, it, it briefly brought us up to fourth place in the West. It did. I mean, very briefly because the next day, Dallas took it back over. But uh, yeah, you know, you can't you can't go wrong with the win. No. Uh, you know, I think Adrian Heath had like a 30-inch vertical leap on uh, Kevin Molino's goal. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, he came over and really riled the wall up after the game. Yep. It was just, it was a good game. Yeah. It was fantastic. I think that was the win. most excited I have ever seen Adrian Heath after a goal mm-hmm. or a win. Like normally, there's like a little fist bump yeah, celebration, yeah, yeah. but he was so happy he jumping was. around. Yeah. That was awesome to see. Well, you know, and it and it's Molino because you know that's his guy. That is, yeah, he convinced Minnesota to get him. Yeah. And it, you know, he's been all about Kevin Molino ever since Orlando, obviously. And, you know, he's probably hoping this means that his his work is going to continue to right. to foster something successful. So we get the victory. We now roll into Montreal and uh, try to get a victory against the Montreal, and which was last night. Okay, I'm going to point out we did not try to get a victory against Montreal. Well, okay, let's... We were not going into Montreal to try to get a victory. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about this just a little bit. Let's talk about a little bit because we'll talk about this after the break. But our lineup was completely different. Seven changes. Yeah. And, you know, it was their third game in a week. So Mm -hmm. 
You expect changes, most definitely. Yeah, maybe not wholesale changes. Seven was incredible Seven. to me. And you're fighting for you're fighting for a playoff spot. We talked about this last podcast of the like uh, what is it four through well actually three through what nine or ten in the West. They're it's all with, jum- yeah. they're all jumbled up there. Yeah, it's like point separation, point separation. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. so you're fighting for a playoff spot in the West. You cannot afford to lose a game against an Eastern Conference foe. You just right. can't. There was, yeah, I mean, there was changes that make sense. Like Griffin brought up, you know, maybe Darwin Quintero, you know, he had another yellow card against San Jose. So maybe that made sense. And then... And Ike, ha- Ike had a knock of okay, some he kind. banged up. Yeah. yeah. And so, Which I'm sure if it wasn't... If, if it was at home, I'm sure there were circumstances where he would yes. have been fine to play. Right. Yeah, but it was more just the goal of rotating. Right. So yeah. I mean, you look at it, and you you know, I, I thought you know Mason Toy probably that, that was a well deserved you know his first start in MLS sure. this year. I know he started sure. he started a game last year, but had a red card. Actually, it didn't go well. Right. So you were kind of hoping this would be a little better. But I think regardless of what happened last year, Toy probably deserved a start. Um, and there was other changes that maybe made sense, but to, you know. It's tough, you know, when you're, you you can maybe, you want to look at the depth that this team had, and that's yeah. what some people will say, well, we need to look at the depth, we need to test it. Well, plugging a player here or there, that's one thing to mm-hmm. test your depth, but to bring in a seven, seven. and that now you're testing the cohesiveness of a new group trying to right. play together. So I mean, so it was literally a B squad. Let's, it's the we'll, definition let's, let's of talk a B about, squad. Let's talk about, let's yeah, get to the game. Yeah, okay. specifically. Because we're all... We were on. We were texting back and forth, three of us, yeah. and we're going, "What? What the heck is going on here? Why? Right. Why is this happening?" They just, and it, and what, Montreal comes out in thirty seconds. A goal in in thirty seconds. Twenty-seven. Yeah, twenty-seven. Sorry, my bad. Who gets the blame for that one? I think a couple people said Gasper just completely misread Col- the pass. I, yeah. I had the Kelman last good look to there. try to cut him off. I, I, I blame Kelman. I've always been hard on Kelman, but I, I blame him. You know, Gasper. I mean, no one was yeah. awake during that. I, I saw, I think it was Jeff Reuter said uh, this morning that it was almost like they never even heard the whistle blow. <laughs> I believe it. And it, that's the way it looked. Yeah. So, I mean, you could blame you could blame Gasper, you could blame Kalman. Um, I seriously can't say that you could blame Vito because the guy didn't even know what was happening no. by the time the ball was in the back right. of the net. He's like, what the hell did you guys do? But I think after that first goal, I think we're all going, well... This the squad that we've got on the on the pitch well, right now. What are what are we expecting right now? <laughs> right. You know, and it, I would like to point out uh, on Twitter, I said something about the PK, which we'll talk about, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I explained myself. And the the guy said that I was Debbie Downer. He actually posted the no, I saw SNL that, yeah. Debbie Downer, Debbie Downer GIF, yeah. GIF, and if I was and I responded, I'm like, yeah, David's the pessimist of the group. Yeah, definitely Debbie Downer. And my entire first half, my notes, it, every single one is just negative. Yeah. Like, the, the entire thing is just negative. And it changed. I will be fully willing to admit the second half changed. Yeah. But the first half, I cannot pick out a positive thing that I really want to talk about. Oh, I thought Colin Martin was just disaster. Mm-hmm. I felt like... Schuler was a kind of that same thing. I can't remember what game it was. Mm-hmm. You called him a... I call him a robot. Robot, and his head was like spinning around. His head, yeah. He's, he's, I just felt like he had out. no idea. There yeah. was no cohesiveness with the midfield at all. Yeah. They had no idea what they were doing. I, I believe that Schuler and Martin were switching sides routinely, and it was like 
it was a complete disaster. Yeah. And I just, yeah, every single note I have, it was negative. I mean, it, it, to me, it looked like, again, you're putting seven new guys on the pitch. It yeah. looked like, of course, there's no communication. They don't know what, what this guy's doing or what this guy's doing. Again, Schuler looks like a robot when he's in those situations. He just can't. He can't think freely. It's like he's just got to get the ball, and it's like, I'm just robotic. I just do this. That's like he doesn't. He has no like creativity when he gets the ball, and um, I guess that's what I expected because of what we started with. You right. know? I mean, if you if you turn the if you turn the broadcast on late, you would have missed a lot. A lot happened in the first 15 minutes, good and yeah. bad. So I mean, I kind of like had it, right. you couldn't think of anything positive to happen. Well. I mean, there was one thing, at least in the early stages, for uh, Toy, yes. in the ninth minute. It was, yeah. considering how poor they started out, I mean, to see Toy score, what, his second goal? MLS goal, that is. But right. And I think with, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. It was against the run of play. Uh, Molino just throws that ball up in the air. And I think post-game they were interviewing Toy, and he said that he and Molino talked, and that Molino yeah. just said, play off the back shoulder, and I will get you the ball. Sure. And Toy said, I did that for both goals. And Molino found him with two great passes. I will say, when that ball was up in the air coming towards Toy, I was like, he's going to make a mess of this. <laughs> it's perfect. It's, he's he's going to have to make a touch, and it's going to go out. He's not going to do yeah, it. Yeah. But How was that went, touch? Went off his knee mm-hmm. right to the ground. Perfect. And you're like, yep. well, that was a one-time thing. I'm yeah. sure we'll get to it later. But yeah, the fact we'll... that he was able to do it twice, twice. Yep. consistently, yep. and his the second one was arguably better than the first. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I saw somebody on Twitter, and I, I would love to credit them. I can't remember who it was. They mentioned that there was almost an identical play with Molino and Christian Ramirez uh, back. It I don't know if it was even seventeen or eighteen, um, where they were playing that exact same thing. Molino's saying off the back shoulder, puts it down, and Christian got a goal. I don't remember who it was. I was looking for it earlier today. I couldn't find it. Um, I think he he had posted on Twitter last night or early this morning. But it's interesting that that's the type of if that's the case, it's the type of leader you want. Yeah, who's communicating with his strikers and saying, "Hey, this is how I'm going to play. This is what you should be doing. If you want to score a goal off of me, back shoulder. I mean, that communication is incredible." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I've always thought that Kevin was a good selection of ours. He's been injury prone. Maybe he's got a few more years where he can really do something at, in a, that leadership type role in the offense. Because we've got it in the defense right now. For now. So we still need something in the offense. But we get the goal from. I was still off the couch celebrating. Yes. Uh, toys goal. Yeah. When, <laughs> when they come just, back. I think it was four minutes <laughs> yeah. later, yeah. the 13th minute, they uh, had a corner kick, I believe. Yeah. And then uh, I think it was Camacho. Sorry if mm-hmm. I bungled that pronunciation. But he, they scored again. So quickly take the air out of the sails or wind yeah. out of the sails. Yeah. And now it's back to 2 1. You're down yeah. on the road early mm-hmm. in the first half. You just have that same feeling that you had 27 seconds into the game. So, and, and, and go ahead. Griffin, who do you put blame on for that goal? I know we're bad on set pieces, but that seemed kind of like a fluke. If that had happened to any other team, they would have been like, oh, well, that's a fluke. But because we're so known for being so bad on free kicks and Mm -hmm. corners, I think that was why we needed to assign blame. 
And it, you know, and for me, I would, I, my notes say that um, Kelman left the space and Schuler let him in. And it, it was, it was true. Like, Schuler just kind of watched, and you can literally see Schuler watch him run past him. And then Kelman wasn't really even paying attention. Yeah. But you're right. It is. It's so Minnesota United mm-hmm. to give up a goal on a set piece. It is. And, and again, we're on the road. Seven new guys in the lineup. Now we're down by one again. And you're going, well, it's just par for the course. There's no way our guys are going to come back from this because they've already proven they can't. You know, So we rock close to the end of the first half. And then we get the Finley uh, penalty kick that people... It wasn't a PK. It don't think, you don't think it was. There's a lot of people who do, though. And, and it, I, it, I'm going to sit here and say, I mean, maybe I can't interpret the rules well enough to make a good decision, yes or no. But you I, I can make an, an argument that it was, well, let's hear but it. I don't think it was. Okay. Let's so, hear why you don't think it was. I, guess. I don't think it was because Finley took that little flick to the left... There's no way in hell he's getting that ball. Yeah, you've got two defenders coming in, and I don't remember who they were. Number five was the main, the closest. I I just don't think he's doing it. He completely played himself out of possession. Uh, another argument I can make is there's a chance that Finley charged the goalkeeper. I mean, I think he knew what he was doing. He Bush set himself up, and Finley just ran right at him, hoping there'd be contact. That's mm-hmm. also against it. Now, on the other hand, I can make an argument that it was a goal. Griffin, can yeah, you make what side are you on of this? Can you make a case for or against? Richard? I think it was a PK. I think there was the deliberate motion by Finley to move the ball out to the left, and I think on slow mo you can kind of see Bush moving his body towards the direction of the ball. I think the reason why there is so much debate is because it was such a poor play by Finley. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. I think I it kind of does show the one dimension to his game. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, Darwin would have chipped him and we wouldn't even have this conversation. He, that's right. <laughs> but, See, that's yeah. right. Finley should have but done better. Finley yeah. had many options and it was a bad touch and so I think the doubt comes from that play he had. But I think the refs made the right call. Yeah, and, and they did review and, it. And make, right? Yeah, I was going to say, make no mistake, they did go to VAR on that, right. and mm-hmm. VAR came back and confirmed, and affirmed the call on the field, and it was a PK. And, and yeah, and I'll, I'll to, the, to the day I die, say that wasn't a PK. I just don't. But just don't you made the comment that you've seen very similar plays not get called a penalty, yeah, though. I have, yeah, yeah. So, but and, I it, guess, and it's because he played that ball out. I've I've seen yeah. it a number of times. You you have to have the ball at your feet. Yeah, I mean, well, if yeah. if you play it out five yards, you're not going to get that ball. Well, even you know VAR, it's 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 there. It's not a robot reviewing this play. I mean, there, right. it's there's there's a and I mean I've seen a lot of saltiness from Montreal fans. Oh yes, um, very. Salty. And all of their arguments are based on the charging. Argument. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Bush was definitely set, but I don't know that. I mean, with the flick. It, it makes the argument that Finley wasn't charging him, mm-hmm. right? So we uh, get it. We pretty much, if you listen to Montreal fans, we got a gift, right? Um, we go into halftime two-two, uh, yeah, which is where you want to be. Which is where you want to be, yeah. and now your hope is you can just kind of hold them off for the rest of the game and get a tie out of this because right. how the flip are we going to win this game in Montreal? Exactly. We've and I would like to point out at this point that I said in our texts mm-hmm. that. 
Adrian Heath needs to bring Miggy in for Finley. Yep. And he needs to bring uh, Molino in. Or Molino. Needs to bring in, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dotson? Dotson. Dotson, in yes. For either, uh, for either Martin yep. or Shula. Yep. And what did he do? He does it. In, I don't know, was it 60, 70th, 70th, 70th minute? 70th minute. A little later than, exactly later than we were expecting. Later than we were expecting, expecting maybe expected. in the 60th minute, yeah. when he yeah. usually would yeah. make the moves mm-hmm. that you see he's doing. I, so I would just like to point out, this is like the third time this season that I've correctly said what Adrian Heath would do. I swear you got like a bat phone to Adrian Heath. Right. That's the deal. <laughs> and I liked the move for Angelo for Toy late. Mm-hmm. I know things like you're up a goal, why striker for striker? But I think because we were up a goal and Angelo can retain possession, it was oh, kind of a time waste. A hold strategy. up guy. He's yeah. a hold up guy. But at the same time, I was really hoping that Toy would be able to pull off that hat trick. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. good point. Yeah, coming. Awesome. Good transition. Yeah, because going back to uh, going back to Toy because it was early again an early mm-hmm. goal to start a half. Yeah, that's right. Uh, 47th minute, actually, he got his brace. And, uh, Griffin, I know you mentioned it, but uh, I don't know. What were your thoughts? Like, the, the, the touch, the finish, what was... I think it proved that the first one, obviously, wasn't a fluke. He didn't get lucky. Mm-hmm. I think the chemistry between him and Molino was perfect. And I totally believe that they had a pregame conversation, like he said, post-game. Yep. And it was... You did not think that he was a 20-year-old. Yeah. In the MLS. <laughs> he, looked, he looked really good in this game. I mean, he looked yep. like he belonged... On the squad moving yeah. forward. I think I had a tweet. I said something like, I was today years old when I found out that Mason Toy is a starting striker in the exactly. MLS. Exactly. <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah. That was a good comment. Yeah, uh, you know, in Major League Soccer, even, uh, you know, acknowledged they his did. talent. Mm-hmm. They said the new, what was it, the headline was the new, the new uh, forward phenom or something. Yeah, like forward that. phenom. Yep, yep. Um, I mean, he's. He's making an argument to have to sit a DP, in mm-hmm. all honesty. Right. Yeah. Because I, I really, really love Angelo's hold-up play, but you got to go with a hot hand, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on the hold-up play, I think it's super frustrating for American soccer fans because I don't think it's really a strategy that's been utilized in the league very no, much. not at all. Because he's kind of like your historic, like old-school, mm-hmm. big number nine. And I think it's one of those things where when it doesn't work – Every fan is like, why is this guy on exactly. the field? This doesn't work. He's giving the ball away. But then when it does work, like, then it's like, why doesn't everybody in the team have an Angelo? Yeah. Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So it's it's just so night and day. We've talked about this on the podcast before with Angelo, people getting pissed off about the hold-up play. It's not working. He's holding on the ball too much. And it doesn't – when it works, it's beautiful. When it doesn't work – People who don't know the game very well, they get all upset because they're like, right. well, this is stupid. Why well, and I'd even add to that, when it works, sometimes it's super ugly. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, last night was a good example. There was, there was a point where he was he was on the far sideline, and he held it. He literally just held the guy off. Mm-hmm. And he had the ball under his foot, and he stood there for, like, three seconds. Yeah. And it, to wait for the team to get up now, unfortunately, it ended up uh, getting turned over on, like, the second pass. But, my God, he just wasted three seconds. Yeah. I mean, good. that could have been three seconds setting up for a free kick. Yeah. Could have been three seconds of somebody running into the box. And, but, no, mm-hmm. he literally stood there and held off his defender. 
I look with at, the ball perfectly calmly sitting at his yeah. foot. I mean, it's incredible. I look at his hold-up play like uh, in NHL, like board play in NHL. Right. Guys who hold up on the board, that's part of NHL. You're trying yeah. to either waste time or get somebody else to get towards right. the goal and do something. But it's not pretty. It's not pretty, <laughs> but it's effective in NHL, and it's yeah. effective here when it works. Right. So him coming in at the end, I, I kind of figured that was the deal. They just wanted to waste time, waste time, waste time, and that was the right move to make, I think. Now, we need to go back a bit. What about the non-PK? I, know you're gonna, I knew you were going to bring that up. The potential handball in the box. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember which player it was. Was it? I think it, it was, was it Miller. I, it was Miller. Miller. Yeah. It was Miller. Yeah. yeah. So I looked at. To me, I think I said in our text, I didn't even think it hit him. Hit no, him yeah, I, and I acknowledge that it did, but I can see why you could maybe think that, or at least I thought it did. And that's what yeah, I, my I think reply it was like was a double you. bounce. It hit his arm, or it hit his chest, and went off his arm as but, it was. But you talked about it. It was it was certainly unintentional. And number two, he wasn't arms out making right. himself right. bigger. He, I think it was normal. His arms were right. relatively <laughs> inward; they weren't going out. Yep. If Tommy Thompson's goal is a goal. Then there's no way that that's a PK on the other end. Yeah, I think, right. I think those were it was mere plays, uh, like on different sides of the ball. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Good point. And I think the the little bit of the controversy surrounding that was the fact that the stadium in, in Estad Saputo was uh, they were showing these replays. They kept couple, showing them almost as much as we saw at home. They showed it at least oh. twice, and the crowd was Heath, going nuts. And Heath was pissed. Yeah. Did you see the point where Heath was yelling at their? Um, one of their assistant coaches, and then the coach of Montreal saying, why do you keep showing it on the damn right. board? And Don't didn't the ref it. come over and have to Yeah, he had yeah. to like calm down. So, Yeah, so uh, good deal. Uh, um, yeah, you know, and it, I think we had the discussion about that. Yeah. And it, it's like, it's nice to see the replays, but if it's going to be something controversial, make it after. Mm-hmm. Right. And I said, you know, I want to be informed. Yeah. You know, they don't even do that in Major League Soccer. No. If it if it's going to be controversial, don't show it. If it's going to go to VAR, then let us see it after yeah. VAR's made the decision. Yeah, that's right. I mean, because or let us see it after if there's no VAR, after plays completely resumed and there's no chance that anything's going to change, then let us see it. And what did I say yesterday in our text? I said refs are human. Right. Keep showing those replays, and the crowd starts getting all riled up and pissed off. Sometimes refs will change their mind right. on the fly. They'll be like, "Yeah, that's a penalty because yeah. the stadium's telling me it's a penalty." Yeah. I'm gonna or change feel the it. need to make up for exactly, it later. exactly and, yeah. right, exactly yep. right. So, and I kind of wonder. This is my last point to this game. I kind of wonder if he didn't try to make up for it because they added a minute. Oh, onto yeah. the extra time, I, I, and then some. There yeah. was yeah, yeah, there was there, is there was supposed no to be reason. There was for three it added minutes, and the game finished in the fifth minute. Yeah, yeah. 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 There was absolutely no reason for it. There's nothing that was significant in delays during the added time. Not at all. He just kept letting it go, letting it go, letting it go. He wanted to see. He wanted to see Montreal come back, and yeah. they almost did. They that, did. They almost did. Mm-hmm. Attempt that mm-hmm. Vito put over. So. We get the victory, guys. I mean, that's yeah. that's the, the good part about this game is we get the victory. Um, even though we walked into this game not thinking it would happen because of the guys that we had in there, um, but I think this is a good place to 
stop for yeah. the half. But yeah, so summing up, so you know they, you know, just a few weeks ago they had three consecutive losses mm-hmm. in league play, and now the United are coming off of three consecutive victories. Now right, that's right. Play. And I would like to point out for like about twenty minutes we were in third place. We were. That's right. Until oh, Seattle. Yeah. Stole a yes. stole a victory mm-hmm. away so from Columbus. So MN UFC is currently sitting in fourth, fourth with yep. thirty points. Mm-hmm. So another big one coming up against Dallas. Yep. And I think we'll probably talk about the standings more as we uh, yeah. broach the subject. So when we come back from the rotation. break, when we come back from the break, guys, we're going to talk about the lineup we had in this last game. We're going to talk about the transfer window opening yep. up. Who we're looking for. Uh, we also have some beer talk to talk about. Which shock, you know, yeah. we talk about beer. We're talking about beer at a brewery. Crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, so we'll be back from uh, Fair State in a couple minutes. All right. Join us. We didn't, uh, we didn't make him go away. I thought maybe in that first half he'd be like, "You guys suck," and he just want to leave. But Griffin, I think you. Oh no, soccer, beer, beer all that. <laughs> That's how we got him out here. Soccer and beer. So we are still drinking, of course, the beers from Fair State. Um, I ended up getting the. It's called the BBRR, and it's their Roselle, but with blackberries, blueberries, and raspberries added to it. So it's a little more right. fruit flavored, which is that again. I, I enjoy these types of beers. So. Uh, Griffin, what'd you end up getting? Did the parlay this time. Another hazy IPA, but I saw this one was a full pint, so it might last me the whole second half. second half, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. Sterling? Uh, I also did the parlay. Okay. Uh, I was telling Griffin that I like IPAs, but I don't like the bitter IPAs. Sure, sure, sure. And this is a good example of one that's pretty citrusy. It's not, I would say it's a, it's a pretty easy drinker. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You could crush this. Stevens, what you got? I ended up going with the Vienna, and it's uh, it's an amber lager. It's Ooh. it's got a little more body to it, that, you know, as compared to the pills I had. And uh, no, it's it's but it's it's smooth. I like it. It's not something I get every day. So yeah, again, this place uh, right off Central Avenue up here in uh, Northeast, as I like to call it, a uh, little locked in along just right along Central Avenue. So you really don't know it's a microbrewery as you drive by. Right. It's kind of one of those uh, they put it into an old whatever this was before. Uh, again, great brewery, great people. They've allowed us to come up here. We want to thank them for allowing us to come up here and do a yes. podcast here because, you know, we have, fingers crossed, we haven't had any issues yet where a brewery has said no to us. We might have gotten a couple of non-responses. We've had some ghosting. We've yeah. had some ghosting where yep. we've, we've reached out to breweries and they've just pretty much ghosted us and said, they don't care, you know. Well, it's yeah. just fine. Uh, but, again, that thanks to Fair State for letting us come up here. Uh, we're going to get back into some talk now about – Montreal, the game against Montreal, and the lineup that we had. Yeah, we, we kind of alluded to it a bit. And I think my biggest thing with that game and that lineup was, I said it in the first half of the podcast, we wanted to win that game. I, I thought we wanted to win. I thought with the way the playoffs are setting up right now, with that, like, that field of seven teams sitting there within a couple points of each other, we needed this three points. Yeah, you, you know, your, your text... 
yeah. actually said you were going to withhold your vitriol. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a that's a powerful word. I was vitriol. pissed off. I Again, I was drunk, but I was pissed <laughs> off. You can be both. <laughs> I can be both. I didn't expect a drink yesterday, but I went to Dave & Buster's, and you know how that goes with me. So um, I, when I saw the lineup, and I, I thought about it, I'm going, what the fuck are we doing you, here? I think, Tony, you called it, like, is this just a throwaway game for Heat? That's what I thought. Need? That's what I thought. It's a throwaway. And, I mean, I guess it's a little harder to sit here and complain about it now, but we, well, I mean, we will. We need to talk about <laughs> Well, like I said on, the, on, right, a, on yeah. text, I'm the asshole now because I'm the guy who, in the text, was saying, this is a shitty lineup, shouldn't be out there, why are you doing this crap, we need these three points, and then we come out with the victory. And, right? Yeah, and I mean, certainly, right. in the, at least in the first 15 minutes of the game, your thoughts were confirmed, your yeah. worries were yeah. concerned. It was not looking good. They were looking shaky at best. And to be fair... We looked. We really didn't look the part the first half. No. The only reason we went into halftime, as we've already said, mm-hmm. with a tie was what some people, mainly myself, think was a questionable PK. So yeah. if you consider the fact that had that PK not happened, mm-hmm. it made sense for us to be losing at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, the consensus between... A lot of people was that there's going to be some rotation. I mean, yeah. Darwin's yeah. on facing a suspension. Sure, uh, Opara got a knock. Ozzy leads the team in minutes, mm-hmm. and everyone's worried he's going to break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But seven. I mean, yeah. I, I think. But uh, you look at the lineup, and I'm kind of like, okay, defense. I get it. Opara, um, Dotson. I would have expected to start in maybe at his favorite defensive midfield mm-hmm. position, but the midfield baffled me. The Martin Schuler, Martin and Schuler. Olam. Yeah, Olam. No, I Olam could start. I. But he's a, I, he's a veteran guy. Yeah, yeah. But but then you look at the attack. Finley, like always, Molino has earned a starting mm-hmm. spot. Toy has kind of given a chance. But, sure. But yeah, Schuler and Martin starting was where I had the problem. Okay, that was going to be my question. You answered it. What was your biggest surprise about the lineup? So that's yeah, a, that's I, a good point. Gregus, I thought, could start the game. But I could, I, I could see Olam starting this game because he's a veteran and mm-hmm. you need to give some guys some rest. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, I saw that's him fine. taking over for Ozzy. That's fine. Yeah. You know, that's cool. But you get Schuler in there and you get Martin. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. I, I, tough, it, I, I touched on it. It's it's tough, you know, when you make this, you know, seven swaps to have the cohesiveness or to maintain it. You're just, it's like you're rolling a big dice, you know, dice right. and throwing it out there and see what falls. Especially when... You know, Martin really hasn't played a lot. Um, and then you have Schuler who lost his starting job. So you have these players who not only haven't played, they haven't played with each other. That's right. right. And it, they're going to be in a 4-3-3, which we don't play very much. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like, eh, what the heck? So this brings us to the, the discussion of, U.S. Open Cup, yeah, and the league. It's like, how do you prioritize? Well, could, maybe couldn't you have said, "Well, we, we need to get some fresh legs out there. We need to do some kind of a rotation." But instead of going wholesale as they did against Montreal, um, couldn't you have split that up against, say, an Eastern Conference opponent on the road? Maybe we can touch on the reasons what Keith was thinking why he did this. But couldn't you split it up between? that game last night and a U.S. Open Cup match well, against you, a USL championship side. I mean, I would think so. I would think, uh, Griffin, you mentioned it, uh, Gregoosh, I would have started him. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think, you know, I don't care which one you put in it, put in whether it's Shuler or Martin. I would have started Gregish. Yeah. Um, from there, personally, I think, you know, maybe Miggy was burned out, but who cares if he only plays a half? But, like, let him get a half in. I, I can understand uh, Darwin with his yellow card. So that, that makes sense. Uh, Angelo, Mason, again, Mason probably deserved a start. Mm-hmm. I personally left him out of our texts as far as my uh, the one player that I didn't think necessarily needed to be on the field. Yeah. Uh, you know, Molino definitely deserved a start. So, I don't know. I just felt like it was it was a really, really weird lineup. I think you could have split it up. I think, uh, you know, in terms of the play, of course, we've discussed how we want us to do well in U.S. Open Cup. It's our one opportunity to, to get, for sure, I think a solid chance mm-hmm. at at a trophy this season. Yeah. Me, so I get the the wanting to emphasize that, but the playoff picture for me more important was more important. And it, I said this on Twitter from my own account. I think this was, um, you know, for me, people don't take U.S. Open Cup seriously in Major League Soccer. Nor do the fans. Nor yeah. do the fans. That's right. That's right. And so, if you want to be taken seriously as an MLS team. You be competitive in the playoffs. Yeah. You win the U.S. Open Cup, no one remembers you. No. Until the U.S. Open Cup comes around. That's right. If you're not talking to U.S. Open Cup, no one cares. That is funny you say that. I mean, as closely as I've been following the MLS over the last, well, obviously two years, but uh, three years, um, I I honestly forgot that Houston had won last year's match. Yeah. Until, of course, we played Houston. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where... If you want to be taken seriously in Major League Soccer, you have to be competitive in Major League Soccer. Yeah. No one gives a shit about the U.S. Open Cup. And, going and that's back sad, to but it is. Houston winning it, was Houston even a playoff team last year? I, I don't I know. Think I think they finished remember. just below. I could yeah. be wrong, but if they were a playoff team, they didn't make it far. Yeah. So it's not necessarily like the U.S. Open Cup winner coincides with a team that is going to be competitive for the MLS Cup. Exactly. Right. So it, it shows that teams are very inconsistent in the league for taking the Cup seriously. Mm-hmm. And then just Houston finished just above Minnesota in ninth last okay. year. Okay. So... Oh, and then, then a harsh reminder that we finished 10th. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Where we spent most of the season, yeah. actually, we've talked about it. But. And, it, and, it. And so you think about that, and you say, well, okay, U.S. Open Cup is being taken seriously by three teams. Atlanta, because they just want to win everything. That's right. Because they're douchebags. <laughs> LAFC, because they're a little bit newer than Atlanta and Minnesota, so they want to win something. Mm-hmm. And Minnesota, because that's the most likely opportunity we have. To win something, a trophy, it's some trophy. So, which it's like you see this whole concept of you need to. No one who is anything in Major League Soccer cares about U.S. Open Cup. No, hopefully that changes. But I, maybe this is a might be about Heath a little bit too. Heath comes from the European side and winning those. Trophies. He understands those trophies. He understands what those trophies mean on the European side. 
and you're going, well, maybe he wants this trophy because he thinks, well, this is something yeah. we should get. It, but in Major League possible. Soccer, we don't give a shit right now. Yeah, we right. don't. And, and, it, and somebody mentioned that on Twitter last night, and I think that was in, I responded to that, was that Americans don't understand that concept of no. those those cops. No. And so it's just not a big thing right now. No. And I completely agree. Now, on the other side, the flip side of that coin is, Adrian Heath also knows he's on a hot seat, whether or not anyone else thinks he's on a hot seat. He's on a hot seat. So this season, he needs to do something. Mm -hmm. Now, however, when you're sitting in fifth place, you have three teams below you within three points of you. If you're on a hot seat, I get you want U.S. Open Cup because maybe you're English, you understand the FA Cup, you understand Mm -hmm. the English Cup to a lesser extent. But make the fucking playoffs. Exactly right. And if you lose, and so I brought this up to you guys on our text. If we would have lost last night, mm-hmm. and San Jose would have won, and Houston would have won, we would have been in seventh. Yeah, that's right. And San Jose and, did win last yes. night. Yes. And, and had like we, you said, that speaks to the openness of the West. Exactly. Being within a point, a point, a mm-hmm. point between three different places. Yep. And then we go in to New Mexico... With fresh legs, great. We win. Say we win it. Yeah. But now those fresh legs are tired for FCD, mm-hmm. who is probably our biggest challenge in the last three weeks. Yeah. And if we lose there, we're out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So obviously, retrospect, everything pretty much worked out. It did. I mean, in that, but that's I guess that could be one argument for a shakeup is the fact that they're in a stretch of six games. They're right in the middle of it. They're going into their third game of six games in 22 days. Right. So, I mean, maybe you got to pick your spots. And I think yeah. we, we can, if we want to simplify it, we, we could all agree that it was a bigger shakeup than to be well, it, it was much bigger, yeah. But you pick your spot against New Mexico, I think. You don't pick your spot well, right. against Montreal. And I said this in our text. There isn't a player in our roster that can't beat New Mexico. So yeah. what the lineup you? against Montreal would have been a great lineup. Exactly. Right. So that's, yeah. right. that's a great question. And is it, what, the, what is the lineup against New well, Mexico? Well, I think it's going to be like. full bore. Yeah, I think it's going to go You don't think it's going to look like this? Oh, no, no I think wow. it's going to be a full bore, and it, it's going to be one of those situations where it could be a trap game, Yeah, and we could get embarrassed mm-hmm. because we're going to go out with a full roster, and we better damn well look like we have four roster. And they've already beaten an MLS team. Exactly. So yeah, two. It's two. Oh, two. Run up two. Okay. Two. So, yeah. Dallas and Colorado. Dallas and Colorado. Colorado, Colorado and Dallas yeah. in that order. No, of course Colorado, Colorado. <laughs> you can argue whether that's an MLS team yeah. or not. But Yeah. Well, in sorry. recent weeks. Kind sorry, of like Cincinnati. Rappers. I mean, we yeah. argued yeah. about that. So, But I, to bring this all back, I think that there were obvious things that decisions Heath made yesterday about the lineup that we're never going to find out about. And that's right. the problem. Is and that's, you can rack your brain. You can rack your brain. We won the game. Exactly. So right. Heath is never going to be like, well, yeah. oh, I didn't think that was going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, and especially because he is on the hot seat, if anything, he's going to take any credit where he can get it. Do you think he went back after the game and went to the bathroom by himself and like, looked in the mirror and said, I can't believe that freaking worked. I can't believe that worked. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get I, it. I think it, that would have been on the plane bet. Playing on the right plane back, back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's probably like, "Holy shit, that, that actually worked." worked. It, yeah, it, it yeah. was 
it was a huge win, uh, yeah. I think, because of that, because going into it. But it, to me, it feels a little bit, you know, could they replicate that success against another no. opponent on with the road? With that lineup? Yes, no, no. That. There's no way. <laughs> and, and maybe no it way. felt a little fluky. I mean, don't get me wrong, going down the stretch versus Montreal, they, they sustained some pressure. Yeah. They, did, they handled that well. You know, I obviously think, they had a game. Could it work against Cincinnati? Probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, know? and the thing is, is, in my opinion, the Eastern Conference is weaker. Mm-hmm. So, I think that works against an East, Eastern Conference, aside from Atlanta, aside from D.C. and Philly. It, but with how good Montreal is somehow kind of flying under the radar with right. their success, yeah. they still have given up, well, after this game, 33 goals. Mm-hmm. I think they came uh, 34 in. 34. 34, yeah. So... They give up a lot of goals. And Jamie Watson said when he was going through like their month by month breakdown of their success, they really are like three and three, two and two, two, one and two. They were really consistent of giving up points where they probably shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And winning games they probably shouldn't have either. This is like this is kind of maybe Montreal is like the anti San Jose, at least over the last couple years, because I think this was the third meeting between Minnesota yes. and Montreal, and all three were victories yep. for Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And I mean, well, one was the uh, incredible Abu Dinladi, uh I think it was extra time or very late. end of the game. After the, yeah, Molino tied it up with a penalty. And, yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that was a 3 to 2. Wasn't yeah, that it? was 3 2 as well. Yeah. And I think the other one was what, 1 0, 2 0? Yeah. yeah. The first. Yeah, it was one zero two zero. And I think the last thing I want to bring up is just you know maybe you know they were on the road after a nice start to the season. They're yeah. three and three wins, six losses. They hadn't had a draw on the road, so maybe even just maybe they were thinking, okay, we'll hunker down, we'll play defense, and uh, getting a draw on the road that would be work. okay. But I just yeah to put it in perspective, I mean how tough it is to win on the road in MLS. Yeah. You know the Dynamo went into Cincinnati yesterday and lost. Three two, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think that says it all. Is the fact that the MLS statistically is insane when it comes to results at home versus on the road? Mm-hmm. There's nothing more than like any it. other league. There's nothing like it. And so I think maybe there was a chance that Heath and the staff was just thinking, no matter what lineup we put out here, we're, we're on the road. On the Who road. knows what's going to happen? Exactly, because we lost on the road to LA Galaxy without Ibrahimovic. Mm-hmm. So. Who knows what uh, lineup is going to affect this result on the road when yeah. you know that statistically speaking, no matter how good you are, you could lose 3-0 to FC Cincinnati right. <laughs> on the road. So maybe he just just steered into the skid and was like, we got a game coming up, people are tired, it's on the road, we could start Darwin, Angelo, Mickey, yeah. everyone, and exactly. still lose. Exactly. Why not have an excuse have an ex- exactly. <laughs> for yeah. losing the game? That's right. And right. maybe just mm-hmm. then having the Cup in Dallas coming up and not having to worry about these issues. Yeah. So, so who knows? That's the thing. We'll yeah, never we know. Never know. <laughs> we'll never know. So when it comes to rotation then, I mean, what do we do for New Mexico? Because in my opinion, we still don't want to put a full squad in because we have FC Dallas. In, in three days after. On three days Saturday, after. It's, you know, so the U.S. Open Cup quarterfinal is semifinal, sorry. Right now, they are a point behind us. Mm -hmm. Seattle is only two points ahead of us, so a win against FC Dallas creates space below us and could potentially put us above Seattle. So it's like, I don't think you want to do a full squad against New Mexico. I don't think they do. I think against New Mexico, I think what they end up doing is they put some starters back in, but they don't play a full squad. I don't think they do. I I think they can't. 
Do you think you you play Toy and Molino again? Probably. And then maybe throw in Miggy. Yeah. Or Gas. Or yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. Get Dotson back in. Maybe? I think you need Dotson think, yeah. back in um, there. Yeah. I mean, I would almost think maybe you want to put Dotson in and let Gasper sit. Yeah. And well, those put are young, Miller in on those, the left side. Those are two young guys, though. Yeah, and very I think the, young legs. The big so. one that you yeah. you guys both brought up, Griffin and David, you, uh, I think would be Jan Gregers. Well, you Jan, maybe expect to see yeah, him. I think Jan has to be in the New Mexico. Yeah, I, I mean, because he could anchor the midfield, and you could mm-hmm. give Ozzy more rest. Sure, I, I don't see Ozzy playing against mm-hmm. New Mexico, but I also think that because this game is at home against a USL right. championship team, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter who we put out. Yeah, you're right. Because, it, but then again, Heath and the word trap game has been used mm-hmm. and we lost against New England. Like, That's right. it, it's it's a real fear. It is. But I do think that it doesn't really matter who we put out against uh, New Mexico at home. Well, again, we can't, we don't know what he's going to do. Right. You know, this, they could put out the same lineup as they put out against Montreal. You know, we didn't see that coming. Right. And so what are we, we don't, you didn't right. see that coming. I mean, you have the bat phone of Heath and you didn't see that coming. So, right. I mean, come on. So let's, yeah. Let's get out of this conversation because we could go on forever about it. Let's transfer go window. on a transfer window because yeah. there are some players out there that we could possibly be looking at, but where do we need to fill any spots? Where do you guys think that? Griffin, well, I'll start with you because you're kind of the yeah. guest here. So, well, go ahead. so what's funny is a week ago I would have said we need a backup striker. Okay. But with Toy playing as well as he is and kind of having the opposite qualities as Angelo does, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't think we would. Um, I know, I think the common things have been another left back and another winger because all of our wingers we have, and I know that goes back to the whole Minnesota, all they have is wingers, Mm -hmm. but Finley, Molino, and Ibarra are all historically right Right wing players. So I think there is a good chance that we could get a starting caliber left winger, whether it's an intra-league trade or uh, from another team. But then I think that then presents even more challenges is who do we put in the starting lineup. Yep. Right. And I also would say we need a left back, but Gasper plays well. Mm-hmm. Um, is coming back eventually. Yeah. Who knows? Madagascar is doing well. Yeah. But I do think we want to have the ability to put Dotson in his preferred defensive midfield position. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, at this moment, that would make him probably not a starter. Yeah. But I don't know if he is a starting left back for the remainder of the season. My biggest concern, and uh, going off what you're talking about here, is my biggest concern has been all year. When we got all these new players in, I thought we were going to have issues in the beginning with communication. Because mm-hmm. you're bringing a lot of new guys in, it's kind of... we kind of got to the point now where... These guys are starting to work together. They're talking to each other. They're 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 communicating. They're they're good on the pitch. If you bring one guy in to your starting uh, starting rotation, how does it affect everybody else? Right. You know, can they come in and be good right away, or will they need some time to get used to everybody else? And during that time, are we going to have issues like we're going to lose a game because the winger didn't put a shot in because of you know whatever? You Is know? it as simple as saying you know? Competition breeds success, or you yeah. know, you got players fighting now to get into that starting eleven. Is that just going to improve but the what team I, by doing that? What have I talked about this pot a lot? Is that in in Major League Sports in the United States, in in Major League Baseball, you can bring in a DH. It doesn't matter because he's just going out there to hit. No big deal. Right. 
football, you can bring in uh, some guys. There's communication, but you can bring guys off the street. Basketball, NHL, same deal. Soccer is one of those sports where you bring a starting guy and plug him in to your lineup. How do they work together? Well, you know they work I mean? great. I mean, like we saw it last night. You bring in seven new guys in your starting lineup. <laughs> Let's not talk about last that night. Is, Come that on. is a complete fluke. That's a fluke game. We said that. I just had but it. my concern is if something happens where you bring in a, a new player and they just don't meld well with what we have going on. And I think that concern is further exacerbated with bringing in players who have no MLS experience. Exactly right. Because I think even very good players who come into the league, whether it's Rooney, you had what Lampard and Pirlo mm-hmm. back with yep, Pirlo, yep. NYCFC, and they didn't win anything. No. So I feel like maybe these good European players, what the retirement league players, mm-hmm. yep. come in and kind of underestimate yep. MLS as a level of competition. They do. So I'd be curious to see if the moves that Minnesota United makes are within the MLS and have been talking to other teams, Mm -hmm. or if they're purely just scouting out-of-contract players who are in Europe or South America or what have you. Yeah, and we should say that uh, as we continue this discussion, the transfer window opened yesterday or today? I think it was the the 7th. July 7th. Yeah, so today. It's open for a month until August 7th. And, you know, I think we've talked about this in episodes past. You could use... Angelo Rodriguez, as an example, last season he never really made an impact. He didn't click. And now look at this season; his his play has been significantly mm-hmm. uh, more beneficial to our performance. He's doing you know? what he's supposed to do, and yeah. it's because yes. he came in mid season. He'd never played at MLS before. Mm-hmm. He had no idea what he was getting into. There was a lot of what I noticed last year was a lot of. Uh, he tried to do his hold-up play. He'd get knocked on the back of the head or in the back, and he he still do what he could to you yeah. know bring the ball in. But he'd complain. He was getting used to the the nuances of officiating, and it, it took him twelve games, thirteen games to finally figure out how things work here. Mm-hmm. I would think, I would hope that it's all interleague. Yeah. Now I I tweeted out that there was that. Uh, Mexican player uh, mm-hmm. who was at the game who was at the FCC oh, game, yeah. mm-hmm. and no one even made any mention of it. But I was like, "What the hell is a Liga MX player doing at a Minnesota United game a week and a half before the transfer window?" Yeah, so I tweeted it out, and he's a left back. He's a left back. Okay, mm-hmm. so and now he has absolutely no statistical. History to him, from what I can tell. <laughs> Transfer market had nothing on him. Yeah, he he played for apparently played for Leon. Um, apparently played for the Club America, I think. Youth system, but you know you have no no data on him that I could find at all. So I, yeah. he would be one of those. Well, we're just going to bring him in for the hell of it to have some depth. Yeah. And I'd be curious what to see is the success rate versus bringing in transfers in the primary window before the season starts, and then the tr- summer transfer summer window. Transfer, yeah. Like a list of the talent that you can see from mm-hmm. before the season and summer. Because it seems like the summer transfer window is kind of designed to be a last-ditch effort to potentially save your season from being either embarrassing right. or pushing you over the line to become a playoff team. Yeah. And Minnesota United is a playoff team as they stand. Yeah. Right. Like, there's no doubt about it. They have the ability to. Whether or not that happens, we'll see. 
but they do not need another addition to make the playoffs. No, they don't. This comes down to cohesion and coaching and right. the, the things we already have. Mm-hmm. So right. that's why I would think, if anything, like you were saying, these transfers probably are going to be for depth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're not going to be uh, all of a sudden Finley's on the bench and we have this amazing winger from exactly. Colombia or right. Venezuela. Or we're going to bring in some $5 million number 10. Right. We have three DPs. So yeah. we're yeah. not going to pay big money. And from what I, my understanding is, the rule is if you're going to buy down a contract for a designate, I think Angelo's salary of the DPs is the lowest, yep, and there was right. rumors about buying his contract yep, down. down. Yep. You have to then bring in a third to replace it. You do. Yes. You can't yes, just right. at any time. That's what Atlanta did. To, yeah, right. And that that's something that could very well happen because the United have made moves to acquire Gam and Tam, like the move they it's made. It's true. I mean, they're in really good financial Garber situation. Bucks. Garber, <laughs> Garber yeah. Bucks, yep. You know, the, of course, Calvo's trade and then the exchange with, I think, LA Galaxy right. for Gam and Tam. So they do have money available to do exactly that. Right. And it, you have to think, in my opinion, those moves are preparing for interleague shifts. Right. I think they're going to say, well, all right, here's 300000 Garber Bucks for... X player. Right. Garber I, really think. I love Garber Bucks. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just looking at an article on MLS.com and, you know, 10 secondary transfer window targets MLS teams should should consider. So, if I throw out names like Omar Gonzalez and Javier Hernandez, Chicharito, or Mesut Ozul, you know, do those names do anything for you? Because that's maybe what that is, a name. And we don't need them right now. We don't need them. Yeah. But, I mean, Mesut Ozil's name, of course, makes everyone excited. Yes, but yeah. Minnesota would never pay what he would a contract for him would entail. Yeah. Right. If you talk about it like a number 10, but yeah, yeah, I just, a few names, a few of them I don't yeah. recognize, but, uh, Chicharito wouldn't make our team any younger. Yeah. If you want to scroll oh, yeah, through Diego, those, Diego Golden. Yeah. It's, it's all pure speculation at this point. Right. And that's, that's why I do agree with, with what we've seen in the, this team has depth. It's not something that it had last year in 2017. And now they have a little bit of depth and it's been exciting to see the young guys, you know, that they got in the draft, Dotson and um, Gasper. They're stepping up. They're playing. They're starting. It's been impressive. So. And I think St. Clair's already shown that he's wow. kind of the keeper of the future for oh, the team. absolutely. And so I think we, like, we got into the discussion a little bit. Are we going to see Vito Minone here next year? Right. I don't know, but the long-term answer is definitely Dane St. Clair. Well, and, you know, I think maybe that means we're going to see a keeper signed it. Midseason, because if we if we sign a keeper midseason, a young guy, you know maybe like twenty five ish, we're not expecting him to play. But Bobby's not going to hang around on the bench. No, in Madison apparently. Yeah, um, Vito's on a loan, so maybe we will bring in somebody at keeper midseason just to get him in the groove. Sure, sure, sure. being. Here. Sure. And I remember hearing reports that uh, Reading was kind of uh, purging a lot of their contracts with players that they either had out on loan or mm-hmm. had no interest in. So I think they were speculating that uh, if Minnesota wants to keep Vito, they will definitely have that option. And I think they, I think Minnesota would look into that, right? Because I think they I think like they Vito. Too. I believe that when the season started, I always thought Vito was the one-year stopgap for St. Clair. And they now, think he's supposed to be. And maybe it's supposed to be, but and now I'm thinking, well, if they can keep Vito, then maybe he's the 
two-year stopgap for St. Clair. Give St. Clair a little more time. He's a young, he's a young keeper. Um, but like you said, David, I think that St. Clair's got enough talent where a couple years after he starts in MLS, he could be going to Europe. I, I think he could too. I mean, it, you know, obviously he's not really American. He's Canadian. But everybody that comes from this continent, I think goalkeepers especially, have – you know, fared pretty well. There's been a long history of that. Yeah. Tim Kern Howard. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, you, Guzan was over there. Keller was over there. So I look at it like, if you can keep Vito, and I'm only saying this because he's Italian, so that's, right. that's the only reason I like the guy. Bit bias. Yeah, bit bias. I remember saying on an earlier preseason episode of this podcast that uh, I I think I said, you disagreed, but I said, oh, I don't think you'd see Vito in the starting 11 on game one. You both yeah. disagreed. You both were correct. But he's been starting every game, did he? Yeah, MLS well, game. he's the only player on the team yeah. to start every uh, MLS game this season. But I think it had a lot to do with Bobby still being here. And we're like, well, how does Vito work with Bobby? How does that whole situation? Because I think we talked about them going, like, doing a kind of a dueling kind of goalies back and forth. Yeah, and, I think we did, yeah. And uh, to, to give St. Clair more time to kind of get used to MLS competition. But... Now I'm seeing him going, well, Bobby's, like I said, he's ghosted. I mean, yeah, I think Minnesota was looking to move Bobby out of the starting position pretty early yeah. in the offseason. I heard, um, I don't know where I heard this, but it was someone somewhat reputable talking about how there was a lot of issues with Bobby's performance, how I think there were players upset with the instructions he was giving them uh, on the field. Yeah. And I've just, from watching games, you can see Bobby yelling and oh, yeah. screaming at players. Did a lot of that. Uh, unfortunately, Carter Manley, especially last mm-hmm. season, mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't think that he was a leader, or I don't no. think that he was giving the team the instructions they needed, sure. and I, I I think they were looking for a reason to move on. I, well, and the fact that he was one of the worst keepers in the league for distribution doesn't help. Well, yeah, we, we'd, right. have, we'd have conversations about this last year. He had terrible distribution. Yeah. He, I mean, he could... He could throw, short pass it. Short pass it. He, there were the times defense. where like, oh, my God, you're going to score a goal here because he did a stupid job of passing yeah. the ball out. And I think the beginning of our second year in 2018 was a little bit of foreshadowing to that because Lampson started mm-hmm. the first few games. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Dunlady started over Ramirez the first couple of games. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a year later, we don't start. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ramirez is gone. gone. Yep. And I think that starting that season we're kind of like here's what I want to do yeah and now we brought in a somewhat expensive foreign keeper which we know is a little bit risky in the league it is but but it's paid off yeah yeah right so to close this all up guys I mean do we believe that we're going to get guys in the transfer window who are like starters or we think that's basically depth no I think it'll be as Griffin you said I think it'll be depth Mm-hmm. Starter quality, though, I want to say. I don't even know if with, it's going to be starter quality. With the game and tan they acquired, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not starter You like those Garber bucks, don't you? I do. Dude? They I do. have the money. Yes, They, they do have the money. If, yes. if, I'm not saying he'll come in and start. I'm saying starter right. quality. I mean, if anybody, it would be a left back. If it's going to be a starter quality, it's going to be left back. Yeah. And I think maybe a left wing, left mid to be able to put Ibarra at his prefer, preferred position. Right. Mm-hmm. Because... As much as I like the guy, and he's a fan favorite and has done so much for this team over the years, yeah. he hasn't 
done much this year in the, the stat column. Yeah. He's a hardworking player, and I loved his yeah. little header <laughs> that he dove at after yeah, O'Hara yeah. scored. Like He's the hardest-working player on the field. Yeah. But it hasn't shown up in the assist or goal column. So is that because he's playing in a position that he's not used to? That's probably part of it. It, it could be. you know, And I think that's why I made this argument last year. Uh, why Sam Nicholson won a spot over him was because Miguel was being forced to play on the left, which he's not a left back. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, there were a number of times last season, briefly, where we looked really dangerous with Sam on the left and Miguel on the right because Miguel got to play in his actual spot. I, I, I think the problem is now that we have a lot of money that's going to sit on the bench. I mean, Miguel, Kevin, Finley, they all command decent salaries. Right. They're all right-wingers. Right we, have, we haven't even broached the subject of outgoing potential transfers, but we, and we won't do that now, I guess. We don't have the time. But, uh, I, would, I would not be shocked, honestly, if Miggy left. And yeah, we, we were talking about that at the beginning of the season. Not, we'd all hate to see it, but... It could happen. I will. I could finish this up with maybe a kind of a direct quote from Adrian Heath, and he was uh, just talking about the recent success they've had, and he's he's been thrilled with you know the additions they brought in the off season. But uh, he directly said, "I'd like to bring in two or three in this window if we can." So okay, so to that point. Adrian Heath literally says that every single time he's asked. <laughs> so is so, pushing his players? Pushing uh, his players? I'm just going to say that's just how Adrian Heath talks. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that statement is necessarily any indication of how many players are going to be brought in. Yeah. I do think that there are going to be moves made, but if there's only one player versus two or three, I wouldn't feel the need to say, you said there would be two or three. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, the, we, we have the, we, we moved Calvo, whether it was for an anticipation of a future move or because he was a liability, which he was. But something's going to be done with the allocation money we have received. Yeah. Um, just off the cuff, I think what would be interesting was to be to kind of go after teams like FC Cincinnati who really have nothing to lose and are looking for options. Sure. For some reason, whether it's been in FIFA or just watching, I, I've been a fan of Kakuta Mane, left wing. Sure. Could see him being like a coming off the bench player mm-hmm. for the left, pushing Finley and Molino or Ibarra on the right where they would prefer. But that that's the problem is every winger we have is starting quality and we pay them a decent amount of money. Yep. So who knows? <laughs> so do you finalize this, guys. Do you think that uh, the RGM uh, rolls around in Garber Bucks at night? Do you think he has Garber Bucks and he throws them in the air and like rolls around on them? Like, you know. Kind of like Do you Mc- think that there are actually like dollar bills I would, of Garber? I would, I yeah, I think so. They In Garber, we trust. I yeah, believe exactly they're right. a printed currency. Well, you guys remember? Uh, you guys remember Ducktales? Scrooge McDuck had the money yes. bin, and he used to swim around it. You yeah. think there are GM like swims around in the Garber bucks? You think he does that? Possibility. Hey, come on, I mean, he's got it. And if there are Garber bucks, I want one. I just want to just, just frame little, it. Just frame my it. first Garber buck. Exactly. We have right. to make one. We should make. One. Ooh, that'd be fun. That'd be interesting. Um, Unless it's like a cryptocurrency or something like that. <laughs> I don't want to get yeah, <laughs> We're not getting into that. <laughs> um, so let's get off of soccer, guys. I think we've got a great podcast about soccer. Let's talk about beer. Good. Sounds good to me. Because, uh, of course, we're at a brewery right now, and we drink beer during this podcast. 
GrowlerMagazine.com uh, came up with the 12 beers, the most important beers in Minnesota history, a 12-pack of taste and influence. Okay? Okay. So they're talking about beers that have influenced Minnesota beer. And, of course, as we all know, Minnesota craft beer has exploded in the last 10 years, exploded around the country. I mean, yep. but in Minnesota we have our own little area here. So I'm going to go through these. Uh, you guys probably won't know a lot of them because they're old. I remember some of them and my parents drinking them or my grandparents drinking them. But number 12 is uh, James Page Brewing Company. I know Their that name. Boundary Waters Wild Rice Beer. Now, do you guys remember James Page Beer at all? No. That name no. rings It was around for a while. And uh, so they, were, they opened shortly after Summit did. And uh, they... Uh, were one of the first microbreweries to focus on lagers rather than ales. So they were kind of a lager type of thing. Um, and, of course, wild rice being from Minnesota, it was right. you know, Thanks. Perfect sense. Um, there are only two microbreweries in this list that you guys would probably know. Hmm. Number 11 is uh, Masala Mama IPA from Town Hall Brewery. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, Town Hall's been around for, I think, since 1998, I believe. Over kind of a West staple in the, the community. Yeah, yeah the exactly. West Bank, right. So they were kind of the first the hop-forward style um, IPA that came around in Minnesota. So, um, And then we go, number 10, we go to Rosie's Old Ale from Barley John's Brew Pub. Now, have you guys ever had Barley John's? Nope. No. No, I've heard of it. You've seen it in stores. Yeah. The crazy thing about Barley John's is um, I've been to their brewery that they started with it's in an old chinese restaurant up in uh, i think it's roseville okay and so it's but they now make food there and uh, barley john's been around for a while making kind of micro kind of a little bit mm-hmm. under the radar but this one was uh been around 15 years uh their wild brunette ale which finished at 20 percent abv wow. they don't make it like that anymore but this was one of the first like extreme craft beers in Minnesota that came around. Now we, of course, now you go to, uh, where do you go, like? Uh, For breweries? Yeah, you go to like, um, Dangerous well, Man. Dangerous Man is yeah. the is the go-to. Um, so, also a big fan of Indeed. Um, I think Insight's all right. But yeah, mostly if I'm going to a brewery, I like Dangerous Man because you can have a couple there, bring some home. So think about... The, the brews you go to, think about the ABVs on some of them, like how they are crazy. Crazy. Think of twenty percent for a beer. I mean, that's that's let's flip it. Oh, nuts, that's insane. Right? That's insane. So this was like the first one to do that. And which um, one was that one? That was Rosie's Old Ale from Barley John's Brew Pub. So that was. A, now we come into Surly, of course, and you guys are all. You guys all know Darkness Russian Imperial Stout. Oh, right, yeah. The Darkness Days every year. Yep. And isn't it like a different recipe every different year? Different recipe every year. Different. Uh, they have a different uh, theme to it every year. Yep. I've had them numerous years. Some yeah, years I've only had a couple, but I've enjoyed them. They're really good. So, of course, this was perhaps the earliest and most important of Minnesota's cult beers, where we started to get kind of into the one-offs, the right. one once-a-year type of things. Where And now you go to breweries around here and... Everybody has a one-off. They yeah. do. It's like, oh, we got a special going on with this and yeah, this and seasonal this. Seasonal beers are seasonal always the beers. best. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, of course, Surly came around with that. Then we go to, you guys remember this one, Pete's Wicked Ale. I do Sounds remember familiar. that one. You guys remember Pete's Wicked Ale? Yeah. Again, I, think I, I, I think I was still drinking Miller Lite at that time. But Yeah. So, Pete's, no, how I remember Pete's Wicked Ale is we were in college, and, of course, you could get, there was Red Dog, there was Ice House, and I think Pete's was one of the other ones, too, where you get it for really cheap. 
you know, you could go into a store and they were kind of, you know, the cheaper than the right. Bud Lights and the whatever called. So they were headquartered in Palo Alto, but for years this beer was made in Minnesota, first at August Shell Brewing Company, okay. the oldest brewer in Minnesota, right? and then at Minnesota Brewing Company. And uh, it was a, a, based on an English brown ale, but its popularity led to many Susan variations. Pete's Wickedale represents the importance of contract brewing in Minnesota. Before we had the big microbrewery stuff, a lot of contracted brewers would come here and brew their beer in Minnesota and, of course, sell it as Pete's Wicked Ale. So, um, and then, this is my favorite. Number seven, we have Glick's Stite, which is a Glick's beer. Now, look at, show you guys the can. Look at the can. Of course, the podcast, you can't see it. Yeah, it looks but, like a can of soup. But it looks like a can of soup. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or an old oil can or something. Exactly. <laughs> So, Stite became the first patented malt liquor in 1943. So, this was a malt liquor and gained some popularity as a wartime product that masked replacement fermentable materials with high alcohol. So, of course, at that time, we were trying to get everybody really drunk, you know, wartime. Fast. Fast, exactly <laughs> right. So, and at Glicks now, we have Glicks downtown, I think, right. I believe. Yeah, I think they still brew their own. They have their own Yes, there. they do. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, um... They called it the uh, Green Death, is what they uh, called it, because it's so high. Looks like it. Yeah. Uh, then we go to August Shell, of course, number six, their Weiss, which is one of their, uh, they still have it. They started in 1984. Yeah. Uh, and I guess, if you had one of their Weisses, yep. any of uh, August Shell's? Shell? Oh, yeah. I'm a big yeah. fan of the, the Shell's Firebrick in the winter. Ooh, Firebrick, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah that's good stuff. Um, so, of course, they came out with the Weiss, and Weisses were not made. In right. America, very often. And and this is pre Line and Kugel. This is yeah. This is eighty four. Okay. So yeah, it's pre Line and Kugel. Gotcha. I know Line and Kugels came at you right, know, and they kind of just yeah. monopolized it. Exactly <laughs> yeah. right. So we go from there. We go to Summit. Their extra pale ale yep. at number five, of course. And Summit, as you guys uh, know, was they classify themselves as the first microbrewery in Minnesota. Right. Yep. Surly came along and exploded that scene. I mean, Surly took what Summit did, and they just went and did it 100 times better than Summit did. And now Summit's, of course, trying to play catch-up. So. Right. And we've all had their extra pale ale. It's, oh, yeah, the EPA. It is what it is. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Then we go, we actually have another, uh, not really shells, but Bach beers, mm-hmm. which are very famous around here now. Everybody has a Bach. Um, of course... August Shells down in uh, New Orleans. They have Bach Fest every year right. in March where they, they actually put a hot poker in the Bach and caramelize it, and then you drink it. It's actually really good. I've had the hot poker in the beer huh. before. It's fantastic stuff. And at Bach Fest, you go around and try to find the Bach out in the woods in August Shells. You ever been to their brewery before? No, I haven't. If you get a chance, go there. It is your typical old-school brewery like they built it on a hill with a creek down below so they could store the ice underneath and caverns and wow. all this stuff it's it's amazing so then we go number three you guys should know this schmidt beer yeah of course big like, factory in st big Paul. factory in st paul yeah. and the schmidt beer cans were the thing now did your parents ever collect the schmidt beer cans or grandparents no but so what's funny is uh my family and i we went to uh shamrocks right down in that mm-hmm. area yep. in st paul and i saw this giant schmidt's beer plant brewery factory whatever mm-hmm. probably making myself date myself a little bit how young i am but i'd never heard of it yeah yeah and my dad's like you've never heard of schmidt's yeah and i was like no 
but they were very familiar with it. Schmitz was huge back in the day, and their big thing was the cans. They always had, like, artwork on the cans. And mm-hmm. I remember my grandfather would collect the cans because there was a series. Every year they had a series of different cans, and you would open them and then collect them on a wall. So you had, like, a wall of different beers is what you had. So, Sterling, you, you ever do that? Yeah. Stevens? No, nope, I didn't that. either. Man, guys, come on. Number two, oh, Grain Belt. Of course. Yeah, right. Again, classic Minnesota brewery. I right. Mean, Grain Belt is Minnesota beer. That's, that's. I mean, yep. we wouldn't be here today in a brewery if it wasn't for Grain Belt. Premiums and Nordeasts were all we had in our fridge in college. Yep, premium <laughs> Nordeast. Well, yeah, I, yeah, in college we didn't have Nordeasts yet. We had just, uh, just Grain again. Belt. Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never heard of Schmitz. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had Nordeast in college. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Grain Belt, we used to walk by. Remember when in Northeast, in Northeast we lived up here? Still walk is. by the sign. It's still it. there. Mm-hmm. You know, Icon of Minnesota. And number one, Ham's Beer. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Now, I will say this. When I was a kid, I used to go to the, the Moose Club with my dad. He was the governor and bartender there. They come, The commercials come out with the Ham's Beer Bear. Do you guys remember the Ham's Beer Bear? No. Land of... Uh, Blue sky waters. Sky blue waters. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. It was a big. It was a big thing. Now, Ham's beer, of course, was the biggest, one of the largest breweries in Minnesota history, and they distributed all over the country. I mean, this right. was like, Ham's beer was Minnesota's like nationwide beer. They were and like uh, Minnesota's Budweiser. They were. They, they were. I mean, it or was Budweiser Wisconsin's and Miller. You know, we had Budweiser. You had uh, well, Miller Light. Well, yeah. Miller yeah. Miller companies and Ham's and. Uh, who was Wisconsin? We had Pabst. Well, and then they had Schlitz. And Schlitz, Schlitz. yeah, Schlitz. I mean, there were there were some great breweries back in the day. Yeah, of course, when everything started to fall apart, and all these companies started buying other companies, yeah. and then of course after that happened, and we had the two or three big conglomerates, we started getting microbreweries, and that's right. why this is all exploded. So um, that was number one. So we again, those twelve guys are the history of brewing in Minnesota. And I um, always want to look back at that and say, if it wasn't for these 12 different types of beers and a lot of other brewers, we wouldn't be sitting here today having a podcast about soccer, drinking beer at a microbrewery. Yeah. I mean, I think the first Minnesota beer I ever had was was probably some at EPA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I was going to say, that's actually kind of a surprising, you know, to leave them off the list, Summit, that is. No, they were on it. Oh, they were. Okay. Yeah, someone's on it. Way to go. Yeah. Ain't a Dutch. He doesn't even listen. He's already like, I don't care about beer. It's, you know, what number was it on the list? I was like seven or something yeah, like okay. that. Right but, in I the mean, middle. Right, right in the middle. Right where I was growing up. But, uh, I mean, for me, uh, looking at how microbreweries have come up in this area, um, it's a great time to be a, a beer fan. Oh, I mean, yeah. I can't compare it to any time in history where... Being a beer fan is actually cool, you know. Right. You're not I, called a drunk because yeah. you go to a brewery all the time, right. you know. Well, you know, you know, in my in my MBA, um, I did a I did some research on microbreweries and how you know they've had micro beers actually had a couple waves. Mm-hmm. You know, 2000 was when it crashed. Yeah. And um, they're expecting market analysts are expecting another crash again. Yeah, of course. However, it, it, one of the things that's really sustaining this last climb is the fact that uh, microbreweries are becoming more localized. Mm-hmm. 
they're caring less about distribution and more about just being, being a part of the local community. In a, in a community, exactly. Yeah. Being Like and, this place here, I, this is a prime example of being right. in a community. They do do some uh, beers out in your local liquor stores, but right. they are a community brewery. Right. But, it, you know, and yeah, one of the big things was a lot of these uh, craft breweries around the country would, you know, find out they had a product that was pretty decent locally, and they'd uh-huh. expand and they'd distribute to, you know, they were in California, they'd distribute all the way to the East Coast. And all of a sudden, they found out that their product wasn't really that good. It was good right. enough for you know, people to walk San Francisco. next door. <laughs> right, but yeah. it wasn't good enough for people in New York. And so mm. they expanded beyond their their means, and they crashed. Right. And, and so th- now these breweries, they're staying kind of local. They're using local. They're, yeah. they're distributing to maybe the state over right. or you know, within the state only. And then I think you have breweries that really capitalize and kind of brag about how, like, hey, you can't buy this in our... Like, Dangerous Man, you can't buy their beers in right. stores. They kind of capitalize on being a part of right. the Northeast community. And then you have things like uh, New Glarus in Wisconsin with the big stamp right. on there, yeah. only in Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's kind of creating this, uh, like, wow factor, this, exactly, like, yeah. private... Like, you can only get this if you're close enough. Yeah, and, you know, you have craft breweries like... I use that term very loosely, like Stone, who in, you know blew up in Southern California, and now they have a brewery in Germany, right? You know, but they're they're a brewery that's managed to to stay forward thinking, and they've managed to put out product that everybody right. likes. But you know, that's the cool thing, and I, I hope there's not a crash because there's some breweries out here that. I'd hope wouldn't go under. Um, but to your but, point, I think the, the the breweries that would be affected are the ones who try to spend their money and expand and get there right. too quickly. But mm-hmm. I think Surly's already shown that they're good for a while. But <laughs> well, look at but look at Surly though. I mean, they like I said, they took Summit's idea times by a hundred, got crazy with their beers, got a great fan base. I mean, mm-hmm. Surly people, if you like Surly beer, you are a Surly fan through and through. I've liked Surly since the beginning. I'm a Surly fan through and through. I don't care what they come up with. No. I will drink their beer. What's okay. your favorite Surly beer? Well, now, I do have an issue with them right now because my uh, favorite beer was Cynic Ale. Oh, I, that was a good and they, they, pale ale? Yeah, it. and they totally they dumped it. Okay. Because they brought in uh, the first Ave, which is kind of like it, yeah, but it's I not. Would, yeah. So Cynic Ale was my favorite because high alcohol content. Yeah. Easy drinker, and I drank it all the time. Yeah. But then again, if I wasn't a big fan of Surly, I would have said, well, screw you. Cynicale's gone, and I can drink But I right. still love all the other beers they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did that. They did what Summit did, put it by 100. They got all their fan base, and then they went and built a whole, like... That, a destination. A destination brewery. Is that, like, the definition of a destination brewery? That right? is a destination I mean, that place is... Phenomenal, and they've already expanded it. And they have in yeah. a short time. They've been there, and now look what they do. You got they got their their food service. They got great pizza. They do concerts out there now. You know they were with United for a while and doing the marches and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I mean, it, it is a phenomenal place. Those guys have done a great thing. You can't expect a place like Fair State to do the exact same thing because right. it just wouldn't work. But Surly did it, and they're making a shitload of money on that. Well, you know, there's there's a really good example, a story that was. I think I saw it on Friday. Uh, Castle Danger, yeah, yeah, having to now decide if they want to cut 
production to yeah. keep their growler sales. That's right. That's right. Or if they want to get rid of the growler sales to be able to produce more. And that's that's always a problem. And that's conforming to the law. Of, right. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Which they want to change. They want to get that change, and I think they should get that change. Right. Yeah, because absurd. I think you should be able to go to a brewery like this and get a yeah. growler, even if they sell in the stores. Right. You know, because you can't get everything they sell here in the liquor stores. Right. Not exactly. possible. And that's just a volume issue, like yeah. The, it's you know, a, I can't remember the limit. Is it surely doesn't? Yeah. Right. Is it two hundred thousand barrels? Two hundred. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, it might, be, it might be lower than that. Might, might be. be. I can't it remember. Might be twenty thousand. I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's low. Like it's low. Um, but yeah, it's just they've all of a sudden reached that production point mm-hmm. where they have to stop the growlers. They said it was a estimated loss of three hundred thousand dollars a year or something like wow. that. But the biggest concern about that is it's not the fact they're losing money. I mean losing money is bad for a microbrewery. It's the local people who go there to get that growler exactly, every yeah. week. Oh yeah. It's the people they started brewing for in the beginning that are getting screwed by this. Right. Yeah. Because people like, like let's say Fair State, they started brewing for the people around here. Now if that ever happened when they couldn't sell growlers anymore, that affects everybody around here. And their right. bottom line of course. It's right. not a it's not a business thing. It's a community thing. Right. You know? right. Sure. So, great beer talk, guys. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about? Griffin, you want to say anything else? If everyone had to just pick one signing to make, whether it's a position or a player, this season. Oh man, that's I. I, or if yeah, just position. I think a left. Back, I mean, yeah. We talked about left back. I think left back would be the the prime thing. Although, like we said, who knows if they would sign up for depth or somebody to start? But right, you know. And again, I don't like to. I don't like to play with the chemistry we have now. I don't like that. You know. I, I mean, like with it being the summer window, if they were going to come right into the lineup and perform. Without the little hiccup that usually happens, mm-hmm. I would say number ten. Okay. Steve, I just yeah. don't think that's possible. Yeah, that, it's a tough one for me because I mean I'm, I sit here and think about the team they have now, the depth they're showing, the young guys. But I guess if you if I had to pick a spot, it would be not. I don't have a specific name in mind, but I agree with you, Tony. Mm-hmm. Left back, um, just for, and that would probably ideally be an interleague move where you'd have yeah. somebody with MLS experience that is of starter quality, like I mentioned. That could could at, at the very least increase that depth. Yeah, exactly right. Um, I think that yeah. I, I, again, I don't want to mess with the what we have going on right now. Yeah. You know? right. If it's not broke, don't try to fix it. I'd right. be surprised if we don't see a move, a significant move. But well, right. so um, what about you? I think yeah. a depth winger on the left to push Abara to the right. Um, or, yeah, left back to get Dotson in his more preferred position. So I want to thank Griffin for coming out. Um, oh, twi- thank you guys. Twitter, uh, it's what is it? Oh. MNUFC Commentator. Comment. No, it's com- Commenter. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Commenter. Yeah, I get drunk um, and watch a lot of games and say stupid stuff, so. Yeah. i got to run through some ads now because, yes. we, you know, we're, we're big time, so I have ads i got to run through. <laughs> Um, I want to thank our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for just yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. 
Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. You can find us, of course, anywhere you can find podcasts. We are part of the BGN Network. That's bgn.fm. We're also part of the Minnesota Podcast Network. That is M-I-N-N. No, it's podcast, <laughs> M-I-N-N, dot com. I'm gonna, I, that's the second time in a row I screwed that up. I think the one time um, I had to do it, I actually got it right. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's crazy. Um, and I want to thank, again, Fair State Brewing Cooperative for having us out here, drinking their great beers. We had a good time. Uh, I want to thank the members of uh, T&E, uh, Jen and her, her group, for coming Neil out. Neil and Chad. Neil and Chad, yep. Um, they were at the brew pub watching the game, and we heard that the uh, the feed cut out yes. there at the women's soccer game. So they it's unfortunate, yeah, unfortunately. So for myself, Tony, for David and Dave, uh, we'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks. Like us on Twitter. Thanks. That's right. Like us on Twitter. time to go back to work. There's a lot to do. We have things to make, stuff to build, cargo to ship, customers to serve. So grab a five-hour energy and get ready. For 16 years, through good times and bad, five-hour energy has been there helping hard-working people get stuff done. It's time to go back to work. Let's roll up our sleeves and get going. For more information and to order online, visit 5hourenergy.com. Celebrate the 4th of July from the comfort of home and save on must-haves during Kohl's Friends and Family Sale. This Thursday through Sunday, take an extra 20% off festive tops for the family, patio furniture, and get 10% off outdoor toys. Plus, get Kohl's cash. Plus, limited contact store drive-up. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Offers valid June 25th through 28th. 20% off with promo code FAMILYSHOP. 10% off toys, offers, and coupons do not apply. Select styles. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.